1: Hi guys, and welcome back to Adulting. This week I'm joined by Sophie Hagen.
0: Oh, hello. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was, felt like I was listening to it in my head. I was like, oh, it's a great podcast. Great podcast.
1: I'm so excited to have Sophie on as a guest. She's actually one of the people that I've always wanted to have on. So just to have you in the flesh is really exciting. Um, do you want to introduce yourself as who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, I'm um 30-year-old uh, Danish Stand-up comedian, podcaster, I guess fat activist, now weirdly author. Amazing. Ooh, when are you allowed to call yourself an author? I think I'm a, I think I've, I've held the book in my hands. I'm an yeah. author. I claim that. Uh, yeah.
1: Cool, cool cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that was something I was going to ask you because I listened on your episode with Jessica, Jessica Foster the other day and you're like, I don't know if I identify as a woman anymore.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm... I don't know what... I've, All I know for certain is that I'm not a woman. I think I'm still, I've never, like, she feels fine. Right. They feel fine. He feels fine. It's just the word woman, I think. Woman, lady, girl. That feels wrong. Like, it feels as right to me as man would feel. Right. To call myself a man, to call myself a woman, that would equally feel like that wasn't true. So I think it's, I guess it is non-binary, possibly, like, genderqueer, genderqueer not really sure what the word is do you know what it is about the word that makes you feel uncomfortable like what is
1: there any particular like attribute that you think oh that's just not me
0: I think it's just always felt wrong I my my mom never referred to us as women or girls it was never a thing you know right it was never any like you're a girl sit like this or do like that it was always just we're always just people so the second I started stand-up when I was 21 Suddenly, woman was such a huge part of everything. Oh, you're the first woman. You're a woman comedian, woman. and it always just felt wrong. But I think I just kind of pushed it away, and I was like, oh, "I guess this is just how most people feel." Yeah, you know. It wasn't until I started talking to people and I realized that not everyone felt nauseous when they were called a woman. No, <laughs> and so I've just kind of for ten years I've just been kind of struggling with. Like it, it like felt wrong every time it was used about me. But I just always just pushed it away as it was like the first time my friend, a friend of mine when I was fifteen, came out as bisexual to me, and I was like, "Well, who isn't? Like that, <laughs> you're just describing the human condition." And it took me so long to realize that oh no, some people are actually just like boys, or some people are just like girls, and I just couldn't comprehend it because I just thought. My world was normal. But that's an
1: amazing way to be, because I feel like most people are walking around thinking they're the weird one, whereas, like, you're probably in a position where you're not fitting into really heteronormative boxes, and you're going, no, this is right, which is a really great way of thinking.
0: Yeah, well, none of it was learned, you know, none of it was... I'm I'm just not very aware (laughs) of a lot of things, and I think I just always... I don't know, I just never questioned... Oh, I, like, know. I didn't have a lot. Of, I didn't have a lot of. All the rules of how to be a woman. Didn't really come to me until I was, probably a teenager, alongside girls in my class, or in my school. Because my mom just never, like, my mom is quite androgynous, and she's quite. I mean, I've never heard her describe herself as a woman. You know, she never wears makeup. She wears men's clothing, like what's traditionally known as men's clothing. Yeah. She's, um, you know, just doesn't really doesn't shave her legs, doesn't do any of those things, you know. We've always just watched action films. She doesn't really, you know, it's just never been a thing. Like, with the whole woman thing it's never been a thing. So I think I was kind of shocked when I learned that, oh, there's different things to being a woman. I think
1: that it's interesting though. you say that it's because you're really not aware. I don't think you're not aware. I just think your mum very cleverly didn't condition you.
0: Oh, no, she's not aware either. I think she just didn't. My mom doesn't know any of, like, she doesn't know any of this. Like, she doesn't, she also has lived in, like, a weird bubble. What was her,
1: how did, is it, a, well, no, I was about to say, is that a Danish
0: thing, but that's actually so generalizing, is no, it? I think it? I think a part of it is a Danish thing. There is a fun, I mean, Denmark is, a, I could talk for hours about the weirdness of Denmark, but there is, a, I remember seeing a few years ago a Danish movie, and there's a scene where a man and a woman are fighting, and they're both crying. They're both like it's, it was like the most realistic fight I've ever seen because both people were, you know, there wasn't that like dramatic like oh no you bastard oh, you know <laughs> that whole thing. It was just like both two people just like crying, just like snot crying. Yeah. And it was just so equal. It just felt so equal. And like in Denmark, there's no, you know, men don't hold the doors for women. You know, there's no like oh hi love
1: like right. you know
0: that that felt so strange when I came here. To suddenly, it was just my gender, my presumed gender, uh, my presumed gender was just constantly being uh, like putting your face illuminated, yeah, like it points it pointed out. It was, always, you know, there was a lot of things where I'm like, oh, you definitely would not say that to me if if I was a man, if you thought I was a man. So there is a bit of it that's a bit Danish. What's the in
1: when you translate into Danish? Like, do you do you have the he/she pronouns as prominently as? as Does the language work in the same way? Or is it different? Um, So that might be quite difficult. Do you know what I mean there? Because I wonder if it's just that, as well, maybe we've emphasised more. Oh, in that way, No,
0: if anything, we have, uh, oh, well, maybe a tiny Well, with the word boyfriend-girlfriend, which is weird, you don't have a word for we are boyfriend-girlfriend. No, yeah. You you would say dating, but dating isn't really... Or a couple, we are a couple? Yeah. that Yeah, that, I think that must be the closest one. But we have caster, which kind of means care is like dear. We are one kind of thing. De- dears. Like we oh. are like, we are. But then you say, um, so instead of saying my girlfriend or my boyfriend, you just say my
1: dear. Oh, so it's genderless. So that's, that's, that's yeah. genderless. So
0: you, you don't have that thing that you always have, especially in American films, where you're like, my. <laughs> partner they, um, yeah. you know you can't just say like my dear is that is really helpful actually
1: because now I hate it when I get caught up and I go to someone like oh have you got a boyfriend I mean or a girlfriend or
0: just um, yeah, anything a yeah. significant other <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you love someone do you share a bed with someone <laughs> yeah it's, but I think I just think like my my mom is just quite she just hasn't really To be fair, I think she might have I mean she's from a very different generation she's almost 60 I think now so I don't think. I think if she was young now, yeah, I imagine she would embrace queerness. I imagine she would embrace, you know, the gender, the gender fluidity. But she's just from another time. So I think instead of uh, embracing womanness, because that probably felt wrong, yeah, she has not really thought of it.
1: I think that's so interesting because my mum's complete opposite. Like she was brought up really Catholic, and she very much. Was brought up in such a conditioned way of like completely being like, oh no, this is what a man and a woman are, and this is what everything is. And it's only now that I'm kind of trying to teach her about feminism and becoming a bit more liberal, she's softened up. But when I was younger, there was very strict par- parameters around what things were. Yeah. But I had to like, like definitely the idea of being ladylike, burping, God no. She'd be like, that's not really a ladylike. Wow.
0: All the time. So isn't that funny that like. Yeah, it's funny because go, like you. You hear about, well, like, you know, it's like, <laughs> like it's normal. I know that's the norm. That is what yeah. most people do, but that just hasn't been. I mean, it's definitely been there subtly. Mm. I mean, this, you know, the the what do you call it, like the subconscious bias and all of that. It's definitely been there, but it's not been said out loud, unless. Well, I mean, maybe when we were teenagers, this was suddenly, there was suddenly a lot of. um I probably haven't just, I just probably didn't pick up on it, but, and I blame myself always, I was always, if there's anything that I now see was a woman thing, Hmm. I would just say like, oh, that's probably just me.
1: But do you not think that's nice? Because I guess what it is, it's showing that I definitely thought for a while when I was younger that the most capital you could have was through how you looked. So I was, my ears would, I was very consciously aware of when those times were to be like, act attractively or do whatever. Clearly, you, your mum didn't instill or the the, the position you are in was never instilling that idea, so you're probably just quite impervious to it.
0: Well... It just
1: washed over you. Well,
0: then there's the fat thing. <laughs> the fat thing, which is another kind of interesting aspect of it because, like, I never had... I never experienced the world as someone who's perceived as pretty. I've always been fat, so that was always, like, my thing. Uh, so... But do you think that being... Do you think
1: society views someone as fat as automatic? Like, do you think they're always together? Do you not think we c- you can be and fat and pretty? Or do you think that? Im-
0: you oh, it's ne- that's never like in that. I believe that that is that that can. I think fat people are beautiful.
1: Yeah, but, you don't think society? I'm sorry, I wasn't saying me. Either. I just. Oh like, no, no, What do you mean? Yeah. yeah, no,
0: but definitely that's not a. That's definitely considered unattractive in the eyes of society. That's always but And I think what I mean is, I remember being. 1920, and my best friend, she's gorgeous. Like, in every kind of way, she's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. And she's very feminine. You know, she's kind of, you know, she has, like, the the big, big blue eyes, blonde hair, she's a professional dancer, she's thin, uh, you know, the hourglass figure, she looks the way you're meant to look. And I do that in, like, you know, in terms of society. And I remember, you know, it's like every time I, oh, my two best friends, my other friend is, like, model, model-looking. She has... Uh, I once put up a photo on Instagram of her one eye. Just her eye. Because <laughs> she has quite amazing green eyes. I was just like, this is my friend's eye. And I got more messages from men that I have ever received personally. Just oh from that one. God. People saying, is she single? <gasps> Who is this woman? Like, it's amazing. She's so beautiful. And so I spent a lot of years without knowing anything about phobia or how fat people are treated, but just not being conscious of it. Looking at my two best friends being, I mean, inundated with offers and attention and praise. And, you know, we couldn't walk down the street without someone stopping on their bicycle to go, oh, my God, oh, my God, are you single? I must have your number. And, you know, I remember like going to, I lived right across from one of my best friends. So every time we went, every time I went to the, to get the pizza place, they'd be like, where's your friend? Is she there? Can you give her a note for me? And <laughs> they offered a free pizza. I was like, fuck you. I'm right here. What are you doing? Oh, that's, that hurt. But uh, I remember saying to my friend, like, this is this kind of feels a bit shitty, you mm-hmm. know, because I never get the attention. And uh, she was like, oh, it's an attitude thing. It's because you don't feel confident, you know? Like, if you felt confident, if you had like the energy of someone who just like, hmm, I love myself and I deserve love. And so for years, I tried to do that. For years, I was just like, every time I didn't get attention, or there was someone I liked that didn't like me back. I just be like, right, change the attitude. Like, come on, go into this, walk into this room with confidence and self esteem. And that is so tiring because that doesn't change the fact that every single person in the world have been raised to believe that fat people are lazy and stupid and unattractive and worthless and not either hypersexualized people or desexualized people. And realizing that was such a relief in a way. Like, oh, this, I couldn't have changed this with my attitude like if yeah. I was just happy enough I would get that's not how it works because that would never and I think I think that's I think that's why it's not really a blessing I think in a way it's a blessing to not have been raised with be a woman be like this but yeah. in a lot of ways it was also really a a real relief to realize that that was the reason for a lot of the things that didn't go the way I wanted them to like that was the reason for a lot of injustices was because people saw me as a woman and therefore assumed or that people, you know, have predetermined biases about fat people. And that was yeah. why I never this, this, and this. There was something relaxing about it. Also sad because you realize that, oh, this, is, this isn't fair. But essentially, some, that's why I kind of like the labels. I kind of like, you know, because when I said and told my friend, I was like, when, the next time she said, oh, it's an attitude thing. And I said, actually, it's not. And I gave her the statistics, like this is how the world works. And mm. she was so sad. Because then that was also me telling her that she had a privilege. Like, this isn't yeah. about your attitude. You're just pretty. You could be, like, the most gloomy, sad, depressed person, and you'd still get, like, maybe just only half of the attention. You'd still get attention. Yeah. And I don't know. Did you, do you think that,
1: first of all, do you think you've always been fat like someone, like, your whole life? Like, someone that
0: you would see yourself? I, you know well, I mean? yeah, I I haven't... I think I've always thought I was fat, but and I've always been the fattest, you know, in my class and in my school and amongst my friends and in my family. But when you look back at when I was eight and the first nurse, school nurse, told my mom that I was mm. dangerously obese, I wasn't. I was a child. You know, when you look at the pictures, of like, I'm
1: just a chubby child. I got told I got kicked out of ballet because they said I was too fat and I was
0: nowhere near fat. Yeah, that's the thing. That's it's very like we're weird. all we're all too fat. Like in the eyes of society, every single person in yeah. the world is too fat. you oh, know? Yeah, can be a size zero, and you as long as you, but you then you need the the yeah. bones sticking out. That like the new trend. You could always be thinner in yeah. someone's eyes for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're not thin enough until you you're, you're not there until you disappeared. Do you think that you
1: were? Because I only learned about fat phobia because I listened to This American Life, and there was an episode oh, the talking one with about Indi West. I think so, yeah, and she talks about, like, that pretty privilege, about how no one had ever opened a door for her, no one had ever offered her discount, and I had that whole realisation of, oh, fuck, I see the world through this road. St- and st- there's still inequality, but I have, like, one more layer of rose-tintedness than the person next to me because of this, like, perceived pretty privilege or thin privilege. When you then had that rec- realisation yourself, do you think you have
0: been fatphobic to yourself prior to that? Or oh. do you, you had? Oh, internalised fat phobias. yeah so prominent because you you and it's not just because of not knowing that society is the way it is it's also just how we are taught you know like all diets basically say if you succeed which you will they always say you will succeed because you have chosen to do this and it's a great diet mm. but if you fail it's your fault it's because you are lazy you're useless and all diets fail 99% of diets don't work
1: A diet in of itself doesn't work because it's unsustainable.
0: So unless you're changing how you eat in general... No, but even that, your body will want to get fatter. Yeah. So, like, there's, like, lifestyle change is another word for diet. You know, it's just another word for diet. And it just doesn't work. Your body will want to be the size it is now.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your body has a set point that it wants to be at. I really believe that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You
0: will. And then if you start to diet, you will eventually crash. and You'll get up fatter than you are now. But that is just how diets work. That's why it's an industry. That's why it's a $6.2 billion industry. Because it's meant to fail. And then not only is it meant to fail, but you then blame yourself. It just wouldn't happen with any other product. Like this car will only work if then the car just crashes. You wouldn't go, oh, I just, I bet I drove the car wrong. You know, Do you know what t- it reminds me of though? It's like the iPhone. You know, they set them up so that you have to
1: always get a new one because yeah. the technology stops working. And then you have to, as you were saying, I was actually, that is they have to make something fail at some point otherwise you won't buy another one yeah. otherwise we'd all be minimalists and be so happy
0: exactly that's what that's <laughs> cap- it's capitalism that's yeah. why capitalism yeah. is so damaging and so horrible it's like it puts money above ethics and yeah ethics and morality how, how do you because I completely agree and but
1: how do you walk that line every day of being like capitalism is so fucked but also I need to make a living and also quite like buying stuff but this is really bad for me. how do you do you have any way that you try and rephrase things in your mind or deal with things differently like at what point did you come
0: across that junction where you were like fuck it's really difficult it's also, especially within like fact fat activism and you because know, when I wrote my book I wanted to write about clothes because it's a huge thing of you know fat people not only thinking that we don't deserve to look good but also there isn't any clothes we can really buy yeah and but, you know, also there's all these clothes rules about, like, don't wear vertical stripes and always mm. wear black and blah, 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 blah. Don't wear crop tops and leggings and whatever. So I kind of wanted to say, hey, you can find this clothes and you should wear it and you should buy clothes for yourself. At the same time, I'm like, right, okay, but that's not ethical and that's me buying into the capitalist. So it's a – I mean, we. it's hard. You can't really live in a – no non-capitalist way because that's like what the entire society is so it's definitely it's like a struggle I think what I I think I try personally to aim to aim to do things in my life that makes me happy I never ever want to be controlled by money or fear that's my main two things I like that. if I if there's a thing I mean like now I'm fairly broke so I have to you know of course, it's not a choice everyone can have, but I never want to. I never want to undermine something that I want to do. If it's because of money, and it's two times I've had to do it to make yeah. rent, it's felt awful, and I know people who are choosing entire careers based off on what will make them the most money i i i, I completely agree with you and this is why
1: it's like weird being freelance because i'm the same you're like no i'm going to stick with my integrity and stick with my morals but then it will be a
0: month you are like fuck i need to pay my rent now. Uh, i've said no to i mean so many things yeah that i would have paid I could have owned a house by now if I'd said yes to more of the things that I've I've said no to because it would have killed my soul. Yeah. And that's a privileged position to be able to say no to these things. But I just can't. can't, I'm so... I've also seen people who were incredibly talented and in love with an art form Mm. choose to study business relations, even though they hated it because, well, what are the arts that I'm going to make it? And now they're just miserable in these... Nine to five jobs and they could have been on a stage. And I do think that's t- I think that because I think as I was growing
1: up, I don't know, I think we had the idea that money was success. And then you suddenly start to realise like what actually brings about happiness. <clears throat> and I'm like, I, I could earn so much money in the job. I mean, it's so lucrative. Everyone was asking me yesterday, I was like, what assumptions do you have about me? And they're like, you make loads of money. I'm like, I actually don't. I could, but I know it wouldn't make me happy. So yeah. it's so redundant. I want to earn enough money to have a, like a... A very privileged life still. But the actual idea of the money, m- making the money in of itself to me, turns me off. I'm not like, yeah.
0: it's funny that that's a... But there's also the the study, and I don't remember any of the numbers. I'm so bad at anything to do with remembering numbers. But there's a the thing about, there is a certain amount. <clears throat> there's an amount of money above which you will be happy. Right. And then, but that ends at one point. And then above that amount... It doesn't matter. You can't get happier. Right. It's like a, I don't know a what threshold. Call it. Yeah, there is like a, a, a an amount of money because being poor is stressful and horrible. Yeah. And it, yeah. <coughs> sorry. And it's it can really destroy your soul. Like getting a bill you can't afford like ruins you from the inside. It is so so stressful. Like I grew up, we grew up very poor. You know, like often starving because we couldn't afford food, and it is. It destroys people, you know, mm-hmm. and it's in so many different ways. Poverty is the biggest killer and the biggest uh, horrendous thing. So, of course, you wouldn't say to those people, well, money wouldn't make you happy because it really would make yeah. them happy. It yeah. really would make them happy to be able to pay the bills and be able to sleep at night because they can feed, you, feed their kids. Yeah, But then there is a point where, and I don't remember what the number was, but... There's a thing where you can be happy and live your life and everything's great, but more money wouldn't no more, wouldn't add to it because you just have more stuff then. Yeah, just be more money. Yeah, just without any. Just and then you always just anything. reach for more. I think. Yeah, well, you can see that that's the yeah. case. You know, the I mean, also have you ever when you hang out with all your poor friends? Oh, they're the first people to buy you around. Yeah, your rich friends are the ones who like stingy. Oh, yeah, where did they go? Oh, it was your turn to buy the. I cannot get over how. I mean, rich people are the, the worst people in the world. That's
1: why they're rich because they don't give yeah. any of their money away.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and it's because, why I, and I'm also produced. because they're soulless. Because yeah. they just—that's how you make money—is by not caring about people. You know, yeah. not caring about ethics. And I mean, I, I sometimes I had a, I did a gig where I got like a, <coughs> uh, sorry, a membership card to airport lounges. Yeah. So I got to go into all these fancy first-class lounges in the airport, and I've never been pushed so much out of the way been scoffed at been like physically removed like these people were just the biggest assholes am I allowed to swear yeah good (laughs) (laughs) big scunts it was just also like the few very few times I've flown like business class and planes and stuff when you're amongst people who are rich rich Mm. oh it's disgusting these people are disgusting I
1: think that I flew business class once I got flown for a job and I was looking around, and I was like, "None of us have paid for this, surely. <clears throat> Who? No one can actually. Surely, surely we're all being given this. I've, that was the best part of the trip. The flight It's amazing. Oh my god, that, it's like a vacation as well. Yeah. And then after that, you're like, maybe I'll just do that next time. Oh and then you god. look it up, and you're like, fuck.
0: But that, and that I think that planes are such a good example of what's it called disparity? Is that yeah, the disparity. Right way? Yeah, yeah. Because it's you can choose between either sitting in coach, which is awful, like you are. Crammed together, your knees hurt, your neck hurts. Sho- I mean, the fatter you are, the worse, right? And you're so close together, you, c- you can barely breathe. It's horrible. The seats are hard and disgusting. Or business class, which is basically you get a bed and yeah. free champagne and uh, you know, actual knives to use for the, the as cutlery. And it's like, why isn't that just... Why can't we all just be comfortable? So there's no middle bit. There's no just... Why is it either five grand tickets of 50 pound tickets why yeah. can't we just have like a you know there's just no in between and it's a weird bit of the walking through it as well that's always
1: really uncomfortable when you're walking through to get to economy through the business class yeah. there's always that weird like actual feeling of tension where you can yeah. feel the like it is odd actually you know you said that like
0: segregating people yeah and there's the it's like a class it's literally like seeing class yes I, and I remember being and this was this was one of the th- like I had to empty my account completely to get a business class flight home was surprisingly cheap compared to you know some of them are like 10 grand i had to buy them five days before i had to fly uh because i was too fat for the coach flight i was just like my my back was broken for a week after i'd flown in it was to australia and i just couldn't walk and i was like if i take this coach flight back like i won't be able to walk like i'll be in actually not wide enough yeah i was just I was just crammed together like I had my um like elbows pressed together wow. my like after an hour I lost all um what do you call it? like Feeny. blood blood flow to yeah. my legs. <gasps> it was horrible. So I was like I can't go back. I can't. And I tried to call the app, the uh, thing and I was like can I just buy another ticket next to me? Can-? And they were just like no, you should have done that when you called. <gasps> like can I get a refund? No. I was like well, oh. I was like okay, so either either I get a business class flight home. Or I now just live in Australia. <laughs> I don't have my stuff here. So I guess I found, like, the cheapest business class flight home, which was still, I think, I think three grand. That's and actually I just, really good from Australia, yeah, though. Yeah, and it, yeah, definitely. It was very cheap compared to what, I, what it could have been. I was very lucky. But that was also all the money I had. It was like, right, I don't know how to pay rent, but I have Fuck. to get home. Yeah, but, but that was, like, I mean, this amazing trip. Like, the, the, those hours on that plane, I mean, I... I wish they could have lasted three days. I know the food's so good. You got to watch endless TV. Oh, but also, people <laughs> are so nice, but the nicenesses feel so, mm. you kind of want to be like, really, like, why are you suddenly so nice to me? Like, if I'd sat three rows back, you would have, you know, been annoyed with me. You know, mm. it's, it's. and I remember they, when you had to leave the plane, they wouldn't let the coach people out until all the first class people had to come out. So I was like immediately ready to get off because I'm a like proper, yeah. like, poor person. I was like, get, get ready to leave. No, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, everyone else were like, "Oh, just like stretching." Like, "Oh, maybe I should get." And all oh, we could see the coach people waiting to get out, and they were just like staring into first class, or this business class, being like, yeah. "We need to get off the plane. We have works and work to do." And I remember just looking at them, being like, "This is so horrible." Like they're leading us out. And I remember, like I was obsessed with Titanic when I was a child, and I just had this image of you know the when they locked in all the, the. Uh, was it like third class people oh my god yeah and like all the rich people got to go and they were like yeah. holding them in that was how it looked to me like all the coach people were like being held back until the business class people could get off like we've had the most comfortable journey we could just let all the coach
1: people off first but have you not experienced this as well, like as, as you get more famous with your comedy because on a very small scale of experiences where as in I w- used to go to clubs in London when I was really young <laughs> wasn't anyone it's like now I might get invited to an event because I'm invited at the event the way people treat you because of a perceived importance, where you don't actually fuck all apart from just, you might have a few mm. more followers on Instagram or a couple more people know who you are, is massive. Like someone that was rude to you
0: a minute ago will be so polite. And doesn't it make you feel a bit sick? Cause oh, Because nothing's real. The worst like thing was, I remember when I first moved to London, I lived in Streatham Commons and I couldn't really afford uh, to take like the tube or the train. So I always took the bus, it was like an hour and a half, two hours sometimes with, when there was traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes it would actually be cheaper for me to eat in like a cheap restaurant than to go home and cook. So sometimes also like restaurants are so cheap in London compared to Denmark, you know. Really? Like a, yeah, like I like could a, a, a pasta dish and a coke like oh, yeah. 9 pounds, where in Denmark that would be like 30 pounds. So I was eating in this restaurant being really poor. Like so it was like my only meal of the day. And then the after I'd eaten the waiter came over and said, "Um, do you want to pay cash or card or do you want to do the dishes?" And I was like, <gasps> Oh, my God, I, can I do the dishes? That would be amazing. Oh, my God, thank you. I didn't know that, I didn't know you could do that. Thank you so much. And he just went bright red. And he was like, um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, we um, we, we don't do that. Uh, and I was like, oh, was you, a thought, joke? You, you thought we could laugh at the poor people. That's what you thought. You thought I was one of the rich people. Then we could all laugh at how the poor people would need to do the dishes. Oh, that, was that funny that some people would need to, ha, ha, ha. I, I felt so, I was like, you. Mm. The second thing, when people start seeing you as a certain type and they go, oh. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. You vastly misunderstood the situation. The classism is so gross. It is so gross. I I hate it. I remember, like, when someone told me about Eton, I couldn't believe it was a thing. It felt like a horror story to be like, oh, there's this college uh, where they they say that this is where they make the prime ministers. I was like, oh, is that a thing? Like, yeah, they say that the next prime ministers at the school. And then I was like, but it says, like it's a school for boys. They're like, yeah. I was like, but where? What if? What, what about uh, w- women? Uh, where's the w- women prime ministers going? Is there a equivalent? They're like, oh
1: no. This is complete transparency. So I went to a private school. I've learned this. I spoke about this in my podcast with Scotty, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize, poor little rich girl, when I was at my private school, I had no idea really about class because. My parents sent me to school. but well, fair enough, my dad got really hard there. I thought it gives the best education bloody well did. It's how I'd probably end up here because of all the privilege. But I didn't realise the, the levels of class that exist in the world because you're in such a bubble and it's mm. so bad because you get taught. This is what the biggest thing you get given when you get sent to a school. Mine's not like eating it. It's not like old money. Like It's very scholarship-based but it's still like you have to pay to go. But what happens is you get sent to the school and people go to you, oh, you're amazing. You can do whatever you want. You're going to to have this and you're going to get this and the difference between being working class and middle class is if when you're working class people tell you like you're going to have to work really fucking hard and no one's going to listen to you and that's the difference I think yeah, like the real yeah. difference is that sense of like you
0: belong and you don't yeah you can actively like I was I was uh, when I wanted to choose it was a bit different in Denmark class is a bit different in Denmark as well but I, I wanted to go to the I don't know what the right way to say like the most academic thing and they actively s- tried to send me to the school where I just learned to do like a craft, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I w- like I was very clearly like a brain person yeah. and very much not a skilled like physical skilled person, and they were still just like, no, I, no, no, I think you should do this other thing. And I was like, but I'm, I got top grades and, yeah. and everything to do with like language and writing and not maths, but I could choose this language line, like a uh, section of the school, and they were still like, no, maybe just um. Like just learn how to work with wood, and I was like, "Well, I will never." It was such a weird, I, I, and I, I didn't understand it for years why they would actively try to send me to another yeah. school. Like, no, don't go to that one. That's not, that's not really you. And it's it's true. Like I've, my mom always said, the only thing she ever said about my future was, "One day when you become a single mother." <laughs> that was the only thing. That was how really? I was raised to think that that was so what
1: I was. Do you think they were basically pushing you into that because they were like,
0: "Well"? Let's be honest, you're not going to make it. So yeah, I don't, I don't... I generally don't know. Because but, I was good. I was really good at school. Do you know
1: what they said? Was it on the Guilty Feminist the other day? Someone said, like, they not, never got into Oxford because they weren't allowed to apply because the school didn't want their students applying to Oxford because basically it was like a state school and they knew the likelihood of them getting in wasn't very high. So they'd rather the students didn't apply because it would look better on the school to have less rejections. That is like, if that's not oh, privilege God. perfectly yeah. explained, then I don't know what it is. That's so tiring. So nothing, there's nothing on merit. It's literally on, like, um, nepotism and yeah. and what money.
0: Yeah, it's why it's kind of... it's why I'm, I have a few friends who went to Cambridge and they hate it when I make fun of Cambridge. Oh, they hate it when I... I mean, I kind of take the piss of, like, I don't put any value, any status to you having gone to Cambridge. Yeah. And they, they're they like, oh, of course you shouldn't, but you can say, like, they get tense about it. They're like, it's a very difficult education. I'm like, yeah, still. But I don't, I don't, you know. I don't, I'm not impressed. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's, you know, well done on you doing something you wanted to do, but I'm not going to in any way think that that's impressive because I just refuse to because everyone else in the world is telling you that that's a big deal. I'm not gonna and and one of them was kind of, one of them said, uh you shouldn't look down on you shouldn't look down on intellectualism because you're quite clever yourself, and I was like, that's so funny that you think that that's what I'm looking down on in your head. you've already conflated Cambridge and intellectualism where what I'm saying is has fuck all to do with you're how clever it's you elitism. Are. yeah its yeah. elitism, and it's um. Privilege, Yeah. And then I like, go,
1: oh, but I worked very hard. Yeah, but... But you, you worked work very have... hard at a different... Like, you already started really hard on the ladder. Yeah.
0: Like, like yeah. I, I did a, a gig at Cambridge once where I... <laughs> I was, it was many years ago. And I just... It was, like, 200 people in the room. And as part of my set at one point, I just said, well, this is very white, isn't it? And it's just, like, you could just see, like, 200 assholes mm. just clenched together. And then afterwards, they were all, like, well, it's not our, it's not our fault that it's very white. Oh! <laughs> Is It's it costs the same as any other university. It costs the same. As, so anyone could anyone could, if they can afford another university. And I was just like, well, it's more than just that, yeah. isn't it? Like it's not like if you can afford any university, you might as well. Like it's a whole lifetime of how your life has been pointed yeah. out. Like the only reason I don't have a university degree is because I didn't. Academia was just never part of my life. You know, it was about my mother worked from six to six. You know, yeah. she was never a single mother, two kids. She never had time to sit. She didn't know anything. I first saw a world map when I was 18. genuinely had no idea how the world looked. Yeah. And until I dated a guy who was into academia, and he was like, wait, you what? <laughs> and I was like, is that China? He's like, that's Australia. What's happening? <laughs> and this, it was just not part of my life. So what I'm saying is, yeah, I'm, I am intelligent, but I don't value well, that's, that type of, yeah, uh, that type that's of
1: intelligence. Acad- you're right, because you have intelligence, then you have academia. Academia is like taught, state educated cleverness but intellect is real mm. intellect whether that's emotional intellect or
0: yeah the ability to understand survival things. is so you have to be so intelligent to navigate the mm. world as someone who isn't a, a very privileged person i think that the way because of technology though i think those
1: skills are going to be so much more important because when you i always think about this i never did very well in exams because I can't just remember information unless I completely understand it. I'm really good at creative stuff and writing things. But, like, just remembering information, if I know it perfectly, was I had friends who could remember a whole biology textbook but had no fucking clue what they were talking about. And that's where the education system is so flawed. And because of, like, Google and um, things that mean that we can just look up, like, written down history really easily. That that kind of academia is going to be really redundant in the future. No one will need it. Mm. So the thing that's going to have a lot of capital is actually that emotional intelligence and that the the real innate intelligence that can't really be taught, which is such a good thing because that'll definitely flip the scales on who's gets a bit more power. Hopefully,
0: yeah. Well, I cheated in so many exams. But do you know how hard it is to cheat in an exam? It's really hard. Yeah, I've got to cheat. It's so <laughs> difficult. Both to have the acting skills, the fucking sorry, the guts, the courage to do it, the stupidity to do it, but also just thinking of a way to do it, because they obviously make it very difficult for how you How did do you it. cheat? That is actually really interesting. Well there was one where um, there was one where I made my boyfriend at the time just give me a script, say exactly what I had to say. And it was uh, physics, science, physics. Something about space. It was, uh, I had it. to calculate the age of the universe. And it's apparently like a really long, I don't even know what it's called, a long thing. Uh, <laughs> subtraction? What do you call it when it's just like an oh, equation? Equation, yeah, it's a really long equation. And I had no idea. So he just taught me to say that whole thing. And I learned it word for word. And I was doing it. And it doesn't let take that. And they were very impressed, these two <sighs> teachers. And then at one point I said something like, and then there's like a, Three, uh, 18 divided by 3. And then they went, what's that? <laughs> and I was like, shit. <laughs> so I said, um, oh, excuse me? <laughs> what's, what's 18 divided by 3? <laughs> I'm calculating the age of the universe. And you're asking me what 18 divided by 3 is? And they were like, I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> condescending. I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I got like the second highest grade you could get and I knew nothing That's about hilarious. it. I was, um, uh, oh, German. I did the same in German. I had my German friend uh, just write down. I wrote it to her in English. She wrote it all back in German. I put it on cue cards and I learned how to say in German, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just really, really nervous. So I need cue cards. I'm so sorry. I'm just, I really get really nervous at exams. And then I just read it out loud so funny. and then there was the second question was so you had to prepare this speech which you then just read out loud having no idea what i was saying and then they had to ask you a question and then you just had to free what do you call it free format and then so they asked the other question and i was obviously like uh, 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 ich habe keine, ich weiß nicht. uh and i still got the second highest grade and the they were really like yeah, we couldn't give you a higher grade because you were too nervous. But we, obviously you are like obviously you speak fluent German, but your nerves has got the best of you. So I'm so, so sorry. Oh, my gosh. I was like, yeah, my teacher was – it was my teacher and then like this outside teacher who didn't know me. But my teacher knew that I couldn't speak a word of German. And he was just fuming. And what was the other one? Oh, yeah, that was na- nature, nature and Science where I showed up. And I was just like – Crying, and I was just like, I lost my, I lost my project, <laughs> I lost my computer. I put my computer down at the station, and I, I, I called them, and they have it, but it's too far away, and I can't. Can I please just get? Can I do this another day? And they're like, No, I'm sorry, this has to be now. So I just like cried all the way through, and every time they asked me a question, I was like, I, I, I had the answer, I had the answer. I'm so sorry. So they just about didn't flunk me, but they were like, We can't obviously give you a good grade, but because this is such an unfortunate situation, we'll like we'll pass you, but. You know, because obviously you you knew what you were doing and I was like, Yeah, I'm so sorry. I never, never touched a project.
1: First there was no all, computer
0: in a station. You are literally the master manipulator. <laughs> really good act really good acting. So, really good at acting. And also, so,
1: you just hate by something you just don't like rules. But in a like oh yeah, but it it's yeah. worked really well.
0: Well I said I said it to my mom a few a few months ago. I said like I just pointed it out. I was like, Oh yeah, I've cheated on many exams. And she said something like, Oh, that's very disappointing. I was like, "Is it though? Do you know how hard it is? Do you know how like how unfair the entire system is already? Mm. Like I mean, in history, I knew everything about World War II and the Cold War, everything. I knew nothing about any any other time period, and it's random what you get. Yeah. Like if I had chosen, you know, the Vikings, I would have failed completely. I chose the Germans, and I got the second highest grade." Yeah. It's so random. I was super into Freud. I loved Freud. I was so into everything to do with Freud. And I happened to pick the one essay that dealt with Freud. If I'd chosen the poetry, yeah. I would have failed. It's so random. And the kids in my class who had ADHD or um, who, had any kind of, who had difficulty with, the, with where Danish was a second language, got lower grades, not because they weren't clever, not because they couldn't have done the eventual education they wanted to do because that was based on something else. Just out of pure. Yeah. They now can't study. They can't get into psychology because they failed history. What the f- fuck does that the, have to do with yeah, each other? Yeah,
1: the irony this happened with us. Like the people in our year at school who everyone will kind of know were like not the smartest people are all some of the most successful people in our year mm-hmm. now because they're all just doing, they've created their own business. It's incredible. They're doing something where they're not pigeonholed into these really small ideals of what intellect is.
0: Yeah, and possibly because I think there's a, such a strength in being able to not put value onto authority. Because yeah. if you follow authority and you're just waiting for people to tell you what to do and you trust that everyone wants what's best for you, mm. you will get, I mean, <clears throat> not always, but you will often find yourself stuck and just awaiting instructions. What, but if you have taught to follow your own instinct, there's value in that. Like when I, whenever I hang out with my friends' kids, I'm always just like, I, I try to... I really tried to be that person in their lives who's like, no, fuck that. Like, I remember my first mentor. I'm always very much into having mentors. I love it. Was a Danish journalist who's now unfortunately a huge cunt. Wow, <laughs> huge prick. But he wasn't at the time. He was this really cool journalist who uh, once went to jail because he threw a brick at the police because he wanted to write a piece about what it was like to be like an anarchist. So he was really cool. He Wrote a whole book that was supposedly fiction. But it was very clearly about real people in the Danish media industry and, like, revealed a bunch of secrets about them. He was ice cold. And I remember when I was 13, I asked him if I could be an intern, which is silly. Like, no one gets to be an intern on this newspaper. It was, like, the Metro, the Danish version of the Metro. And he allowed me to write, like, a two-page spread, an article, like a proper article. And he was like, this is great. And uh, I said to him, yes, I want to go to the, the journalism school he said, no, don't do that. Because what they will teach you is things you already know. They'll teach you how to put a comma. Yeah. What you need to do is travel. Travel for five years, live your life. you come back a much better journalist than any of the pricks who went to the school. They'll just teach you to obey rules. That's not what makes a good journalist. I was like, oh.
1: That is so Mind cool. <laughs> but where, because it sounds like from a really young age, you were quite kind of anti-authority. Where Where did you get the conflict? Because am I right in thinking, do you suffer from anxiety as well? Yeah. So that. I, well, I don't know. I I can't talk with any authority on that because I have no I don't I suffer from anxiety. But are those two things sometimes quite opposing? Or how did they? What, where did that come from in you? Do you think where you decided like I don't want to do what you tell me to do?
0: Well, I remember when I started my first protest. <laughs> <laughs> I must have been seven, <laughs> and they wanted us to go outside in the and lunch- the break time at school, and I was very opposed to that. I thought it was bullshit. Because why? Why is it better to go outside? What's that? Why are you deciding? Oh, it's better for you. But that's, it's not up to me. It's bullshit. I want to be inside. Inside, there are books. Do you not want me to read a book? So I was very furious. I tried to create like a huge <laughs> thing at my school. But no, of course, everyone else just went outside because they were told. And I made this huge thing and uh, I tried to fight it. and there was, So there was a bench. And if you sat on the bench, that meant that you'd done something bad. It's like outside the principal's office. And then I realized you can just sit there. And people just think you've done something bad. But no one will check that, because why would you sit there? It's embarrassing. Mm. So I just spend those half hours sitting on the bench. So I just got to be inside, hang out and chill. Really trick the system. And I remember that. um, I remember them calling my mother, complaining about me, and uh, and how my mom just lost her shit. I was like, how is she wrong? Tell me how she's wrong. You can't tell me. You just want her to obey. So I said it to her recently. I said, I said actually. Thank you for always having my back whenever I got into trouble, which was quite a lot. And she said, <laughs> she just said, my mom's very stone faced. And she was like, well, I couldn't have you respecting authority, could I? <laughs> and I was like, perfect. That's where it comes from. I my mum has always questioned it. But that
1: line of thought is so clever. I was actually listening to a guy the other day. I can't remember his name, but basically he ended up rowing the world record in prison. Have you heard of him? No. And he did the thing where basically he realized the same thing. He was like, if I if I take away the power of the situation, so they like put him in isolation. And then when they took him out, he's like, no, I want to stay here. And he was like, every time they tried to punish him in some way, he would decide that he wanted to do it. And that means that you have the power over the authority and they don't know what to do. Yeah. It's like quite an advanced school of psychology that you're doing kind of age seven stuff. Yeah. And I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about because we had the same thing. It was like orange cushions outside the headmaster's office. And if you were there... Like you knew in trouble, and it was so shameful. Yeah, Which, that's a really mean thing to do to children when
0: you think yeah. about it, isn't it? Like it's shame vicious. them
1: for probably making a really like silly mistake.
0: Yeah, it, that's. I think it was also very <clears throat> obviously fucked up in a way. Like it, there were so many things where it was just so. You know, when 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 an adult in general said, "Oh, because I say so, oh. I cannot have it, and I cannot have the." I mean, also because a lot of, most of the times I was, I was right. Yeah. You know, I was right. I remember when I went to gymnasium, which is like, I think it's a mix. It's like the school you go to for three years when you're between 16 and 19-ish. Okay. It's like the, the step before uni in Denmark. Right, yeah. And, uh, trigger warning, this is a bad story, but uh, there was a a girl from, what year were we in? The second or the third year, second year, so we were like seventeen, eighteen. And uh, from another class, sh- they went on a school trip to London. And six men, six boys from the other class, there were like the two classes going together. And uh, six boys had like pulled her out of bed and undressed her and was about to violate her. Well, they'd already violated her, but physically violate her. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. And um, the teacher had already said. To the principal, like these six boys are bad news. I don't want to go on this trip with them. I don't like them. They're, they're going to do something bad, and I can't control them. We're not enough teachers to handle them. Mm-hmm. So they did this thing to this girl, and uh, they went back to the school. He called the teacher, and I, I, this was something that the teacher told me in, in secret. And he said, um, as he was like, I don't know what to do. So we're just having a chat. I'm always, I was always a very good friend of the teachers. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> So I didn't have friends was so all the teachers would hang out with them. But he was like, uh, he'd called the school and said, they just did this. What do I do? What do I do with the situation? And they said, I'll oh, just have a chat with them. Just have a little chat with them. Tell them not to do that again. I was like, this is, and they got um, detention for three weeks. But that was it. They got no, there was no police thing. There was no nothing. So she had to go to school with these rapists for the rest of her school trip. <coughs> school time. And... Uh, so that happened. At the same time, I was severely depressed, like really, really depressed. So I was only attending school. My absence percentage was 33%. So out of three years, I was only there for two years, technically. So there, I was already on their radar, mm-hmm. <laughs> also because I just kept making trouble. So what I did was I tried to you know, call them out and be like, yeah. also because the, the arts and crafts teacher threw scissors at me. <gasps> And I was like, she throws scissors at me. And they were like, you've not gone to school a lot. And I was like, yeah, but she she's still allowed to throw scissors at me. And there was like a teacher who was drunk, who graded us by throwing some dice. Like a lot of because we have numbers in our grades, not um letters. So there's a lot of things happening. So I because I'd already complained about the teachers throwing scissors at me. Uh, and they already hated me because I um had protested about doing PE. It's a long story. Anyways. I got out of PE as the first person in Denmark. Um <laughs> Legal, legally got out. Really? Yeah. They made a huge thing of it. That's always been my main process. Been, that's me. I, I just to used anything. to run away and smoke behind bin sheds. Oh, if we could have done that, I would have <laughs> had a different life. <laughs> so they already hated me at the school because I kept making trouble. And then this happened. So what I did was, the school was called El Gymnasium. If anyone's listening who goes there, like, fuck them. Like, this is a <laughs> shit school. Keep protesting. Uh, so El Orol in the city, that's the name of the town, Uh is R-U-D. U is the, uh, the O with the line through. Okay. And when you put that in a website address, usually you would either put O or O-E in Denmark because you can't use the actual U letter okay. <clears throat> in a website address. So they had chosen R-O-D. So I bought L-O-D-K with O-E. So there was a 50-50% chance of what people would guess when they went to the website. Yeah. So I bought that website, and I took pictures of all the broken furniture around the school, and I put that up there. It's so like the front page. And then I had a, mess- what do you call, like a message forum right. where people could anonymously write what they wanted to say about the school. So it was like, you know, a student was sexually assaulted and they weren't thrown out. <laughs> Teachers throwing scissors at the student. It was mostly me using it. There's <laughs> a drunk teacher. There's, you know, so people could just write anonymously. You're because so I'd smart. been because I'd been threatened to be thrown out if I complained about the, the scissor teacher, uh, which sounds like a good thing. It's not. Uh, so I had made this website. And they called me into the office, and they're like, have you made this website? And I was like, no, it's, no, it's I haven't, and you can't prove it. Uh, and they're like, we know it's you. <laughs> and I was like, you don't know it's me, it's not me. And they were like, literally no one else would do this. Like, no one else <laughs> would do this. And they were like, we're going to throw you out if you don't take it down. I was like, but it's not me. And they're like, we're going to throw you out if this website doesn't go down. I don't care if it's you or not. And I was like, oh. so I had to take it down. And the teacher was, fi- uh, was threatened to be fired if he made a... A sound about this assault thing. Horrible school. I don't remember what it was. Oh, I think, so, this wasn't answering your question. It's about anxiety, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I think stuff like this makes me, this is going to be such a wanky answer, but I think it's the truth. It's a wanky, sh- like it makes me look like a shitty, shitty person. Maybe I am. But I remember being five or six years old, watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, my favorite show when I was a child. It was how I learned English, and I spoke like Will Smith for a lot of years. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I was a six-year-old white fat girl saying yo a lot. It's horrible, horrifically no, problematic. really great. But I remember in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, when you watch it now, you realize it's a lot about uh, like black power movements. Yeah, which yeah. I don't think it would be allowed to have a show like that on popular primetime TV now. But back then, I mean, it was amazing. And they talked a lot about Malcolm X and Rosa Parks and back power and I was, I was like ask my mom mom knew nothing about it but I, remember I looked into it like I had my mom borrow books in the library and like tell me what it was and it just made me feel I, I was so into it like I was so amazed that this existed that there were people disrupting power yeah who fought like against the system and also just learning that that is what the system was and my mom has always been like that she's always been very Because we lived in this tiny, 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 white, awful village. So she knew that I was going to be surrounded by racism and inequality. And I think racism was the only kind of ism she knew existed, really. Maybe homophobia she knew about, but nothing else, really. So she moved us from this white little racist village to the biggest ghetto in Denmark. Because she was like, fuck that. Like, you're not... That we're not... You don't. I will not have you be one of these people. Yeah. So I'm going to place you, like in the place that they all say is dangerous. Because fuck that, it's not dangerous. Yeah. So I think she's always been she's a disruptor herself in many ways, and I think it it makes me feel physically sick when people don't fight.
1: So do you think maybe like some of your anxiety actually comes from those oppressive conditioning parts? So the fight is like. You feel safer when you think you're doing the right thing. That's yeah, I think fun. I'd feel more.
0: I'd, I'd feel more anxious just existing, accepting, accepting that I should just do something yeah. because someone said so. I don't. I don't. I don't. Anxiety doesn't really come in. So it's almost like it's being replaced by this other feeling of. I don't know. It's like. Like every time I did a protest, I had. I always had this pink, pink cloud of idea that. Once you told someone this thing has happened and it's unfair and if you sign here or speak up or protest or write a letter, <clears throat> it'll get better yeah. that people would then do it. And I remember every single time someone was like, mm, yeah, mm, I'm not doing it. I was just filled with disappointment and rage and how, how would you not, like how, you, how do you not want to fight this? Did you ever have that thing when you were little where,
1: like, you thought that if someone murdered someone, the murderer would get caught and then just put in prison? And Ugh. as you get older, you start to find out that, like, if someone could be corrupt. And then suddenly you're older and then you just have no faith. In it. Like, it's that yeah. weird unraveling of realizing that everything you get taught about the power structures that mm. are supposedly protecting us. Yeah. As you get older, you start to think, why have I been taught that everything's so black and white
0: when literally nothing functions in the way that... You're taught it does. And it's very much our white privilege as well, yeah. think, being raised to think the police are goodies. Yeah. That's such, like, I, I've learned that they weren't when I was 20 or something. Yeah, And that realization was, like, I remember thinking it actively. And I said it out loud to the police that I met. I said <laughs> something like, I said, y- I don't think you're allowed to do this. Because I was so, in my head, I was still so convinced that, but maybe if I tell him that he's doing something wrong, he's oh, going like, to do oh. a good that he's going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, it was such a, oh, shit, this is the world, isn't it? Like, you're not necessarily.
1: I think I learned it from, um, isn't it, in 99 Problems? Uh, you know, the rap song. And I'm sure he says something like, something about because of the colour of your skin, that's why I'm going to pull you over. And I remember being like,
0: oh.
1: And then I think I think yeah. I learned a lot from rap music, actually. <laughs> I think. Because yeah. I just wasn't really exposed to it in day to day. <laughs> It was very rare, isn't it? And the best thing was, I would know all the words to all of those songs, and it wasn't until I was older and I was still rapping it, and then I was like, kind of listening to the things coming out of my mouth, and I was like, oh, fuck, that's really bad. <laughs> but it's, yeah, but
0: that's kind of how I feel about Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <clears throat> when I watch it now. Yeah. Like, wow, I was so lucky that that was what I saw in that cartoons, <laughs> in a way, because it's... I don't know if I would have had the same... I mean, I'm, I think a lot about... I don't know if fate is the right word, but... The whole butterfly effect, and how many yeah. little things happened by coincidence that has made me this person and what could have been different, and also like if you go back to like my mom's life and like how she <coughs> sorry, how she was raised and what happens, it's like like all the right things and all the right moments mm-hmm. to yeah, kind of create this worldview that I'm quite
1: happy that I have. I I, compl- I it's so funny you said that. I think it was like two nights ago. I was talking to my boyfriend about the butterfly effect because I'm I love I'm so fascinated by it. Like, You know when you spill your coffee, and I'm like, no, it's fine because <laughs> probably like it's probably mean that I'm not getting run over today or something. Like I always think it's really silly because I know it's illogical, but it's also a really positive way of thinking because I automatically attribute something bad to being part of a, a larger system that's probably protecting me somewhere.
0: Right? Yeah, but right. I I have it about like. When I was, what started this? It was, I had a job, which I only had because I once, when I was 18, I walked down the street and I was stopped by this salesman who worked for UNICEF, which meant that I applied to get his job when I left school. If I hadn't applied for that, I would never have applied to do Danish Refugee Council, where I ended up working for a few years where I met this guy who was in musicals. And I one day saw him on a poster for Rentz play. He was in Rentz in Copenhagen. And I went to see him be in Rentz. And I fell in love with him. Bad idea, (laughs) really bad idea. He broke my heart. And because he broke my heart, I was like, I'm gonna go to London and I'm gonna watch all his favorite musicals. So, I went to London for my rent money and saw musicals, and then thought, well, just do some open mics because why not? And I did an open mic where there was a comedian who kept in touch with me, brought me to another gig where I met Bobby Mare. Bobby Mare said, why don't you just move here? That was never even, had never really crossed my mind. And that was probably why I moved here, which is the reason that everything in my life is happening. And it just all comes down to, Either running into this guy in the street, or maybe even going out that night with yeah. my coworkers, where I spoke to this guy at work, so I got to know him, so I would find him in this musical later, you know. Or maybe it all came down to my mom's uh, always teaching me about how big voices are brilliant, so I would love musicals, you know. It's just so many tiny things. That's like if that boy had been in love with me.
1: Where would you be? I wouldn't
0: be. There was no way I would be here right now. I always think stuff like that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's, know, so my, my friend Mark, Mark Watson, a few... I, I rewatched what's it called? Nevermind the Buscocks reasoning. There was like one season that we, in stand-up comedy in Denmark... Nine years ago now. Every time we'd done a gig, we'd sit afterwards and watch, never mind the buscocks, this particular season, I think 18 or whatever. And we left. It was so funny. And then I rewatched it recently, like Mark was in it. And I was like, this, this, there was a parallel universe where I kept doing stand-up in Denmark, but I would have watched this guy so often, not knowing that there was this other universe where he's like one of my best friends. Oh, that's so I, I'm so obsessed with these tiny things that has made all of this... Happen? It's so fascinating.
1: I completely agree. I think I always go back to. I had a horrible boyfriend that um hit me, and that's what started my hope. Basically, I can trace pretty much all of everything I've ever done because of that. Which to some people, they're like, "No, you're you're basically saying he gave it to you." I'm like, "No, I literally like something really bad made me." I love that. I completely have the exact same train of thought as you on so many things. Yeah. Um. Whilst we're talking, i was just thinking about this, and because I think a lot of what you're talking about is like your active disruption of trying to subvert, whether it's like the way that we think about gender or the way that we think about relationships or um, the way that we talk about race. But that's like active disruption. But you're inactively just a fat person. Do you think that's the thing that most people find the most like, oh, I can't believe you're fat? More than you trying to talk up about something that's actually really fucking important. Yeah,
0: weirdly. It's a (laughs) weird... It in many ways it kind of feels like a superpower because I l- I love the disruption yeah. There's something Like I don't have to do anything I just have to exist And people are angry <laughs> That's
1: what's so ridiculous so you're, you're literally standing up And talking about something Really important Like I've seen it happen In comments and stuff That When you've been oh, yeah. doing something And you're literally Talking about something And someone will just talk About you being fat Yeah yeah It's
0: yeah. not the issue at hand But it's funny Because like, people project So much onto fatness. So I'll do a, a whole stand up show Where I'm like I love being fat I'm so hot I'm fat and hot Mm mm mm. I love myself I'm so fat and so hot And people will afterwards say You don't have to be So down on yourself Wow, you have a problem. <laughs> you have such a problem, um, and I didn't even know that was. But I think it might be part of it, you know, because I've never fitted in. I've never been okay, and it doesn't matter how much I have. I haven't. I've never really tried. Tried to fit in, of course. You have your, you know, you do it a bit. You know, when you're a teenager, you try to fit in a bit. But I, I never really cared that much, and I just maybe maybe I sensed from a young age that. I was never gonna be part of. I was never gonna be okay. Like I was never gonna be accepted. What do you mean by okay? Like okay in yourself or okay? No, like I, that. I was never be. I think when I was twelve or whatever was that's being important how you how you <clears throat> how you're dressed. I think I remember clothes being important. <clears throat> clothes were suddenly important to my friends and my, well not my friends the people I went to school with. And there was such a difference. I could see them being like, you know, their families could afford, (coughs) their families could afford, (laughs) I was trying to remember what was the fashion at the time, like really wide-legged like trousers, Mm. like neon trainers and stuff. And I think I just, I think I must have had a feeling that even if I had those trousers and those shoes... And even if I learned to wear makeup and I learned how to do my hair and I started liking going to the parties and kissing the boys, I think I must have had a a sense that even I was still going to be an outsider because I was always going to be fat. So I could try as much as I could, which most people do. I was never going to be one of them.
1: But in a funny way, you're freed then from all those extrinsic things that people spend their life trying to accrue and be and get. And yeah. you just kind of went, oh, that's not going to fix me. Well, I
0: remember me and my, I had a, a best friend. She, I remember that was the whole, <laughs> that was always our big thing was she would try to fit in and I would always get, feel so scared. When I, I remember her, her mother taught her to shave her legs and I remember having a huge fit because I was like, no, 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 no. We're, it's you and me together, like against them. But she would always try and be one of them. And I had already, I quite liked that she wasn't. But I remember so we just hang out and we just wouldn't wear the clothes that they wore. We wouldn't go to the parties. We wouldn't be drinking. We wouldn't, you know, play with the boys the way they did. And then one day, me and my, my, we were like 13, we were called into a meeting because all the other girls, like 10 girls, had accused us of bullying. And we're like, what? (laughs) We never speak to, like, we never. And they were like, but that's because they felt bullied by us not trying to be like them interesting by your confidence they felt like they felt like we didn't like them that's I was like, so weird it was so strange I remember just being like this is the most surreal thing like we've never said anything bad about them we've never actually kept them out like they've never asked to play with us or but they just felt really bullied by us not caring about fitting in but my young in a young teenage mind I can actually completely in
1: a weird way understand that you know when your brain's like, why? Uh, my biggest, um, the only thing I used to be jealous of other people was when they really knew who they were. Yeah. When I was younger, I used to get really jealous of people that were really confident, because I was like, how do you know you're allowed to say that? How do you know they're gonna laugh? Like, how do you, I would be so? It would kill. Now, luckily, I'm really confident. But when I was younger, I literally would be like, but how do they know that they can? I don't. It used to really unsettle me. Yeah. So that's probably what that was going through <clears> those <throat> guys' minds. They're spending the whole time trying to fit in and do exactly what they've been told is the right thing and then someone's walking past going, I'm absolutely fine like this. Yeah, I and don't to them, need you. And to that's so unsettling
0: yeah. for their but it's, I understanding think, of themselves. And I think that's why people are furious with the fatness. I think it's the same feeling. It's, yeah, I think um, you're right. Jess Baker coined the term body currency and I'm going to probably completely butcher it. I feel like I've said it now so many times that I'm. it's probably more like my, my theory now because <laughs> it's probably not what it was originally. Um, but what I believe it to be is the idea that most of us like 99.99% of us spend our whole lives becoming the ideal right we're trying to be the ideal we're trying to be the thin person and it's so expensive that's why it's an industry so we will have spent in our life so many hours and we know subconsciously how much an hour is worth we know that's also money so much money on fitness memberships and uh uh, the, the training equipment and uh, slim fast, the slimming world, and powdered drinks, and blah, 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 blah. So we know we have a subconscious idea of how much we've actually spent. And it's kind of like we're all saving up for this thing, which is happiness. It's not thinness. We think thinness is happiness and worth. <clears throat> so we think, we, in our heads, we kind of know that we've spent 10, 20, 50 grand on trying to be happy. And we we can see it in the distance, if I just do more work and put more effort and more money into it, I will eventually achieve happiness. And that all seems fair because we're all in the same boat together. We're all it's trying to achieve, something. we all have to, if you just put enough money into it, we can become happy. And then the eyewalls in, having gotten happiness for free, you know, I don't need you know I'm still eating all the cake. I'm not putting any hours into it. I'm not putting any money into it. But I've achieved that happiness. So they feel it's like some, someone saying, you know what, the money that you've saved up, they're worthless now. Yeah. It's monopoly money. Do you think it's exclusive to women? Do you think that that, because do you think thinness for men, because I
1: think the argument about thinness as well is also to do with that idea that like women need to be more diminutive and take up less space. There's definitely the idea that men need to be, have uh, definitely are just under the same pressure to look um, some kind of ideal body type. But do you think that same thing translates for men, if you know what I mean? Is it necessarily thinness with men, or is it just a general desire to want to look?
0: I think it's tr- it's a tricky one with men, because it's a... I think men have... Men are allowed to be a bigger, mm. <clears throat> but not fat. Yeah. You know, men are allowed to be... What's the word? You know, it's like even when men... The second men, you started acknowledging that men were a bit fat, people were like, oh, but dad bod, mm, oh, it's actually yes, quite you nice. Know, so even fat men on TV are always married to a supermodel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember seeing, what was the one with Rebel, is it Rebel Wilson? Is it How to Be Single? Yeah. I think in the beginning, she's, she's so awesome. And in the beginning, she's like dancing around with all these hot guys, like, conventionally hot guys. And she's like this party girl. Woo. And then you see her the next morning having slept with someone. And he walks out and he's fat. And I was just like, oh, burned it. Yeah. I was just like, if it was a perfect world, and, you know, I've personally, I find the fact I'm more attractive than the other guys she was dancing with, but why is she not allowed to fuck them? Yeah. Why not? Why not just have her fuck them? Yeah. Not that she shouldn't, you know, because then you could have the opposite. It's just like, you just, you're not allowed to see if that woman, what's her name? It was Jess Baker as well, I think, who did the uh, photo shoot, the Calvin Klein spoof photo shoot where oh, she I've seen it. it went viral but it's like many years ago <clears throat> so she's she t- like you know these black and white yeah, yeah. lingerie adverts where they're like really sensual <clears throat> she took one where it was her and then these like muscular you know traditionally handsome blokes it was just like oh, yeah i like watching this yeah I like seeing like a what people think is an attractive man with a fat woman, we're just never allowed to see that. No. And with Rebel Wilson, it was like, it's too unrealistic, though.
1: It happens in, um, I noticed this so much, it's really sad, but like in Hollywood, say so a man gets famous and he's prior been married to a, what people call like a normal mm. woman. And then the minute this same, looks exactly the same man, but he gets famous and does a film, he'll divorce his previous normal, inverted commas, wife because he's become, like, a Hollywood man, and then he'll marry the next level up of woman, like, as if it's, like, you see that, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's amazing how that currency changes, but the man doesn't have to change how he looks. Yeah. He can get capital in loads of other ways, whereas when women get famous, often they will have that glow up where they get, like, thinner and better hair or whatever, whatever yeah. thing it is. Yeah. And it's it's blindingly obvious.
0: It's obvious, and it's 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 going back to the whole idea of being 19, being told oh, maybe we just smile more, you know? Mm. (laughs) You're like, this is a systematic problem. It's a huge... We live in a world where every single person from... Like, there are three-year-olds. I think, was it, three? The age of three is the first time children start to think negatively about bodies. Three!
1: Mm. I think mine started quite young. I think I was about seven or eight when I started to think that I had... You know how little girls have skinny legs? Mm. I always had just actual legs. (laughs) That were like really small woman's legs. Do you know what I mean? And I knew that. And I knew that that wasn't right. But it isn't not right. So somewhere along the line, I'd read too many messages or magazines or seen too many billboards or something. And that started a long process of going through the whole hating my legs and learning to love my legs, which is, as you say, a massive waste of time. Because yeah. I, I don't know. I grapple with, I, complete, I completely agree with you that I think we are occupation with thinness. I say this all the time with regards to money. I'm so bad with understanding my finances, yet my boyfriend knows everything about finance. And I generally think it's because all the hours I probably spent in reading magazines, buying clothes, looking up shit. He's probably looking at the stock exchange. Yeah. Like, I genuinely think that's how it works. Like, yeah. I
0: was so preoccupied with it. Yeah. Well, I look, I look, I look at my, my teenage years and how many parties I said no to, how many Mm. people I said no to uh, because I thought, well, wait till I'm thin because I don't deserve this right now or this, oh, I can't have this one beer with these friends because I need to lose weight. And you you have this idea of how my life is going to be when I'm thin and that's your whole life is based on you know, it was like every time you started a diet, we would think, like, right, so you, according to this diet, you'll lose mm. a pound a week. So that means that by summer next year, you'll be thin. And then I'm like, right, so the summer next year, that's when I'm going to start living. Yeah. And when you look back at my you – know, also just looking at pictures of myself when I was a teenager, like, oh, it's beautiful. It was so hot, so wonderful. You know, and I I can see now retrospectively that, you know, there were people who just really loved me, really, were really yeah. into me, like really wanted me at that party. And I was, <laughs> I was so – um, like, I remember this this girl, I didn't even think I knew I was bisexual. She went to my school, and she was like, she declared her love for me. And I remember just laughing in her face, like, just like, ah, shut up. And for years, I just, it was a few years after that, one of her friends said to me, you know that she was so in love with you, that she was so in love with you. And I, I wouldn't even acknowledge it as a thing because... Because you didn't no. have self-worth or because yeah. you didn't know your sexuality she or was both? She was beautiful. She was beautiful. And, like, no, it wasn't even the sexuality thing. It was just, no, you don't. It was that feeling of, like, no, of yeah. course you don't. Of course you don't like me. Of course you don't. Like, this wouldn't even be a, mm. it wouldn't even be an option. Like, no, you're not. You're making, you're deluded. Why yeah. would you do that? Like, so much of life. I got an email from two girls. I get a lot of emails from uh, girls from, uh, who have school projects and I love them. I'm always like, <clears throat> I will answer them before I answer any other email. And there were two 13 year old girls and they said, uh, uh, When you were 13, you hate your body. How do you feel about your body? And I was like, Fuck. You say that as a fact? When you were 13, you hate your body? Fuck. Fuck this world. Like, you can't, any justification for fat phobia, which is, it's always like, but well, it's unhealthy, or mm. blah, 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 blah. And it's all bullshit, because we have 213 13-year-old girls who hate their bodies.
1: I also think the health argument is, even if you could prove that an individual on the basis of their health, or on the basis of their weight, was unhealthy because of their weight, there's no other instance when you go up to someone and are concerned about their health. So that's mm. what fucks me off, because... Mm. Also, there, I do believe that the health of every size thing, but I also just believe that every individual, there could be an instance where something impacts mm. you negatively. But no one... I used to smoke. No one. Not even... I don't think my dad... <laughs> this is fucking sexist, but quite funny. On am um, 18th birthday, I was having a cigarette, and my dad came outside, and I thought he was going to turn off, and he walked straight past and went up to one of my guy friends and went, you shouldn't be smoking because you play sport. Didn't give a shit about me, obviously, in the back, mm. because it doesn't matter what you do. But, like in those instances like no, really no one comes up to you when you smoke and goes oh
0: that's going to be really bad for you yeah but also it was fun when you gave the example of <clears throat> like no one comes up to you and says that's actually really bad for you because that's not even what they say to no. bad people they go you fucking fat you're going to die you're going to die you know it's not even like oh hey I'm sorry I just wanted to, I just yeah. you to know that actually that could be quite bad that's never what they do yeah. they're like f- frothing around the mouth like you oh, will die because of this like they're so angry and I, I remember like having put a photo of me being fat on Instagram and I was like getting all these abusive comments whilst I was watching football and like these men just like banging into each other like knocking out their teeth and like twisting their ankles and (laughs) physically violent physically just (laughs) destroying their bodies and I was like, I've never heard anyone be like, well, actually, football's really bad for you. You shouldn't do football. It's really bad for you. It's clearly bad for you. Like, yeah. they're being very injured and very hurt. <laughs> but, like, so no, one's do, no one's talking about this. i like, I love football. No. I think it's great to what? So I'm not going to be, you know, they can do whatever they want with their bodies. Yeah. But then I should also be allowed to do. And that's the whole thing. It's never about health. That's why it's someone like Kat mm. Posey, who's an amazing, fat activist who lives in New Zealand. She's incredible. She's like, I'm not answering the question anymore. I'm just not answering. Like the first book about why it's not unhealthy to be fat came out in the 80s. We've answered this question. Mm. The reason they keep asking us is because it's not about health. It's about derailing it. So we're like, give us freedom. You know, stop abusing us in the street. Mm. And then people go, but what about health? You're like, that has absolutely fuck all to do with what we want. Yeah. Even if it was, it's not. Even if it was unhealthy, still don't. Shout at me in the street, please. Yeah,
1: it's not the point. But, but it is this, is. this is what this is what got me around to because I definitely was really fatphobic both to myself and I was never someone that shouted abuse, but ha- definitely had those thoughts. Mm. And it and then when people are saying it's about health, there's people that I know in my life that are really skinny that smoke fuck tons of cigarettes, purely only drink fizzy drinks, and like if you probably cut them open in half, their insides would literally black. But I've never probably ever looked at them and thought, but they really do have to think about the health. And so when someone said that to me, I was like. Oh, that is fat phobia, and it does take a bit to get over it because, as you say, like I grew up with it about myself. Mm. There's different levels of it. Like we're fat phobic in the weirdest ways mm. to our like it. It runs it's so, so deep. deep, yeah. So then the the like the fat phobia to fat people is the obvious bit to look at, but you don't even realise that I see it in my friends and like the way we. And you probably used to see this, but i to like, pinch my tummy at school. I'd just be sat in lessons just pinching the fat. Yeah. Just thinking, why is that there? Because no one had taught me that, like, obviously I'm a girl. You Like, you need to have fat on your stomach. That, isn't that so sad? It's so sad. And it that's from so, so sad. young. And I had the same thing where I'd wake up in the morning and I'd go, oh, I'd have, like, my GCSEs. And I'd be like, but if I was thin... And it'd be fine and, like, I'd be happy. And then I actually got really fucking thin once when I did, like, a bodybuilder competition, And I wasn't happy and that's what got me over my disordered eating because I got there and I was like, oh. Oh, this wasn't... (laughs) actually, I'm just really hungry now and I'm really tired and I've got no sex drive and it's really sad.
0: A lot of it was, like, when I realised that it's the, um, what do you call it, like, the, the weird association between body... And emotion. Yeah. So it's like, I want to be pretty. Well, pretty is subjective. It's what you think is pretty. Mm. That's in your head. So you can change your way of thinking without changing your body. Yeah. yeah. You can just as well do that. It's also hard. It's just as hard, to if not harder, but it's way more possible than losing weight. Yeah. <laughs> it's just more possible for you to change the way you <laughs> think of beauty and worth and
1: Happiness. But it's also because that idea of beauty, like, the thin idea of beauty is the um, patriarchal idea of, like, it's quite sexual. It's quite weird when you think about it because it's basically, like, it's control. Mm. It's not eating. It's, um, you're weaker. It's, like, a, it's in, in terms of looking at women, the actual, like, thinness beauty ideal, that real is really gross when you break it down to what it is. Because it's, it's fundamentally you're controlling your pleasure because eating is pleasure, much like we never talk about female pleasure with sex. Eating is another form of pleasure. It all ties in. I don't know if I've explained that very well, but I know, no, you, no know what you know what i mean. And I think,
0: and I'm now going to butcher another thing, but <laughs> I met this, I forgot her name, I think her name was Jessica, who's like an expert on like a sciences within the history of clean eating. Okay. And there was something about, and I'm going to completely butcher this as a fact, but something about a, a woman in history, like in the 1800s, 1600s or something, who, um, what's it called? Hunger went on a hunger strike, and that was that also created a, an outrage. So it's like it's it's not about being thinner; like it's about the control. control. Yeah, Power. it's about yeah, because it's about us not being allowed to take control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the same yeah. like, now when it's become a trend, especially on Black Twitter, uh, the whole all men are trash thing, mm-hmm. and you know we don't need men, and you know Chidera Ekeru has the whole Uh, You don't need a man to be happy. You can do fuck men. Don't never date a man. Be alone. Yeah. It is terrifying to them. Yeah. We might not need them. Yeah. Oh, my God. They are... There's My favorite thing is... Do you know Aloni? Yeah. There's sex. um, She does tweets. Yes. Like a sex, social media, bloggers. Therapist. Yes. Something like that. And what she does, it's incredible. So she'll have... She's had a, said a few fatphobic things. I've tried to speak to her about it, but I hope she'll she'll probably. I think she means well. She, I don't think she really knows what she's doing, but that, yeah, that's a, it's just a shame. But she does that sometimes. But mostly, what she does is she goes. She has like a name for it. She goes like something like right, hoes." Let's talk about how we were a hoe this weekend. Oh like, uh, yes, talk and about, the threads. Yes, yeah, so she's like talk about when you had a threesome. Or talk about when you yeah. were uh, the the other woman in a relationship. But some like the things you're not really allowed to talk about. Yeah. or be. And then she has these women anonymously DMing her and <coughs> telling them about, you know, oh, yeah, so I fucked this guy, and uh, but his dick was a bit too small, so I went to fuck his best friend, and then I was still horny at 4 a.m., so I went out and fucked a cab driver. <laughs> and it's it's amazing because we're not allowed to say those things. No. We're not allowed to do those things. And the, and the men, they cannot, because they have always, every time that these men have fucked these women... They've had this idea that they were in charge and the woman really yeah. was really emotional about this and really yeah. wanted this. And and they cannot have that. These women are sitting in a group of, and just going, oh, yeah, fuck this guy. Oh, yeah, I fuck this guy. i was fuck this other guy. And just not caring. It's like so they funny. were expecting them to leave the flat and this woman would just be like, oh, when is he going to come back with his magical penis? When actually they were like, oh, I'm going to fuck another one. The reactions from men are the best because they just can't, they're not in control. They don't have the, and I can, <laughs> this is a very weird kind of, segue but it's a it's like the way that uh, fat people are often seen <clears throat> seen as quite like desperate and desexual and just like unlovable in a many ways so i can like if i've made out with some guy at a party or slept with a man or something i can like have had the most i can have been a huge bitch about it i can be like Oh yeah. Okay, I guess we can have sex. I'm kind of in the mood, but I don't really like you. Okay, right, we'll do it anyway. It's not gonna be like, right, it's over now. Please go home. Like you need to go home now. I'm not. You know, we've had sex. Go. I'm not interested. And six months after, I'll meet that guy and he'll be like, Hi, how are you feeling? Oh no. Just to let you know, like there was one who asked me out for pizza like a year after we'd slept (sighs) together. We hadn't spoken for that whole year, and he asked me out for pizza to tell me. I think I'm going to propose to my girlfriend. I just, I didn't want you to find out through Facebook. And I was like, wait, what did you think was going to happen that I was going to, like, break down and be like, oh, no, please don't. Like, <laughs> We've not spoken for a year. It was a bad lay. Like, it's, you can just sense that these people are like, oh, God, I'm probably going to break Sophie's heart now because we slept <laughs> together once, so she's probably all, like get over yourself yeah 100% get over yourself but it is
1: it's that really funny idea that it's I do this all the time where I'll write something like men should be better and they literally will DM me and tell me why they are so good <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, at work today, I was really polite to, to a woman of colour. And I'm like, oh, oh amazing. Well done, Steve. But they honestly were like, they, they come in like by swarms yeah. of like, it is yeah. it is true. It's that whole like equality to the privilege feels like oppression. Yeah. And th- ever I get called like I'm a misandrist all the time. And Piers, it's basically Piers Morgan, oh like just multiple versions of him.
0: Have you ever been retweeted by Piers Morgan? No.
1: Have you? Yeah, twice. It's just the worst. So do you, do, you, <laughs> get, the
0: do worst. you get abused or are people nice to you after that? Oh, no, lots of abuse. Oh. Lo- I, mean, I mean, the right people are nice, yeah. but like, you just, I remember like, right, I was the plane was just about, I was going to be in a like, one hour plane from Ireland. It's just right, you know, the last time you check your phone before you turn it off and it was just like retweeted by Piers Morgan calling <gasps> me like a a rapid feminist or something like that. Oh. And I was like, oh, No. <laughs> So just I got this can't. hour on the plane going oh, oh I'm no. gonna land to an absolute shitstorm.
1: I don't know if he's I can't work out I don't I don't know if he's real or if he's like a character like it does. I don't I don't know if anyone actually I, I just don't know. I mean he's I making a lot of money maybe that's why. I don't get it.
0: I, I just, think he's real. I think he hasn't had to I I fight with <laughs> this, this might be a, I might be a bit wrong but when men do something like that I honestly believe that he's just like a man who feels his way, speaks his mind, and it's still going pretty well for him. Yeah. Where I think when when a lot of women do it, it is it's a bit more job. calculated? I mean I don't know. I don't know. I mean Oh, interesting. Okay. I, and I don't know. I think it's just I just maybe just have a higher opinion of women. Even the bad ones. <laughs> Even the ones with the shitty opinions. I guess it's just that he's maybe
1: been so privileged in life that he's never had to question stuff so he's just like I like it how it is and I want to stay the same and stop trying to change my that is what it is isn't it there's
0: a lot of I see it now in comedy there's a lot of people who used to be big like a big deal and now suddenly women and people of color and trans people and non-binary people are demanding space and they turn into right-winged activists because well, I've never had to struggle and now I struggle. I had a friend say
1: to me that they were applying for a job and um, now they're concerned that they probably wouldn't get it because they were too posh or weren't a person of colour. And I went, well, that's really good then. That's really positive mm. change. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you like sit back down then. Yeah. <laughs> it's your it's, turn to sit down. It's our turn to like, like maybe have to work a bit harder. Yeah. it's I'm, let's I'm make it okay with that. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely
0: okay with you know, maybe it's not that things are really hard for you now. Maybe it's just that they've always been super, super easy. easy. I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. yeah I feel that's completely fair. And I kind of like kind of like it. And, yeah. Because you know, they get very angry. And I'm, I'm often the source of their... Not the source, but like the...
1: that's Where they
0: put the output into because mm. they're so upset. And they're, they're like I remember being in a... Like in the middle of a shitstorm. So I was getting hundreds of tweets a minute calling me horrible things, telling me to kill myself. Like all these really bad things. And then my friend was like, Sophie, 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 I got this abusive tweet. Look at it. And the tweet was like, dear blah, blah, um, that joke you did, I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it. Would you mind considering maybe not uh, using this word? Uh, but otherwise, I enjoy your comedy. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I don't know what to do. How do I reply? This has hurt my feelings. Oh, is that you?
1: <laughs> oh, maybe it was my laptop. I don't know where that came
0: from. Sorry. <laughs> And I was just like, I sent him just like a screenshot of the last like, just my news, my feed. It was just like, "Kill yourself, fuck you, you the bitch." And he was like, "Oh, yeah, but anyways, I don't know what to do about this tweet." And I was like, "Who are you talking to? Like, what are we? Oh my <laughs> what god, are we, what are we doing right now? Like, it's so get out of your shell." Mm. Like, my favorite thing was when I was doing like a pilot for a sitcom that never happened, and I was it was in the middle of a shitstorm. Maybe one of the Piers Morgan retweets. And this is James Woods. Anyways, I was one one of them, and I was just getting so I, I kept being on my phone to like block, delete, block, delete, block, delete, and then this guy had to the sitcom was this, this like white privileged guy. He was like, uh, he was like, ah, oh, just don't worry about it. Just don't don't, don't care about it. Just uh, don't don't just stop thinking about it. Like, don't take it personally. Like don't take it. So I was like, "Oh, really?" And I just started reading. Every time I got a tweet, I said it to him, like what they said to me. I was like, "Go kill yourself! Fuck you! You're a horrible piece of shit. You're a bad person. You're going to die. You're going to die." And after five minutes, he was like, "Please stop!" This yeah. is-. And I was like, "Oh, don't let it bother you, though. Just don't let it bother you. you. You're a piece of shit. You should die now. Don't let it bother you." And he was like, "No, stop, stop, stop." I was like, "Yeah, exactly." <laughs> so leave me be. Don't worry, is the worst piece. My boyfriend said it to me the
1: other day, and I was like, "What is?" Ro-? I literally came. In, I went. Babe, I'm really, really worrying about them. I'm really quite stressed. Something's bad, and I don't really get this worried that much. I was like. Basic and he went. Oh, just don't worry. And I was like, I've come round to tell you that I'm so worried. If I could not worry, obviously I just
0: wouldn't have worried, would I? Like, yeah. What? But also, it doesn't work. The other is, it's that weird thing of these men screaming. You know, they're like. Women are so sensitive. And you're like, really? Are women <laughs> so Because so you seem like really angry right now over what's basically nothing, like a tweet or a picture or something.
1: Someone, oh, I'm going to have to read it out because someone sent me. It's called a bro flake. Have you heard of this? A bro flake? No, but I'm loving it. Okay, because you know how everyone calls everyone snowflake. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm
0: super into it. Okay, this
1: is, um, this is so good. Oh, come on.
0: There's also an Instagram thing called uh, Awards... Awards for good boys, which is oh, amazing. Oh, I think I might have seen that. Okay, so a bro flake.
1: Um, a commonly seen stereotype of the quintessentially conservative heterosexual white male who, despite all his privileges and advantages in life, is easily sensitive to any criticism or mockery, unable to see outside of his own perspective, and takes everything personally, even when it's not about him, <laughs> specifically. Fragile like a snowflake with the mentality of a bro, usually denies or ignores reality and very real struggles of other genders, races, sexual identities, etc. So it would be like... um. Mike was deemed a broflake by the public when he went to a Black Lives Matter protest and shouted, all lives matter. <laughs> Classically. Or, yeah. Anyway, so I just now send that to people. bro when, amazing. Whenever men send me stuff like, N- not all men and here's why, I just send them bro-flake.
0: <laughs> yeah, or when they, 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 I often get these comments they are like, uh, I don't care about this. I don't care. I don't care. Like, you, you seem to care so much though. <laughs> You really seem to care a lot. I get the the weird ones are the ones that are like um like if you really loved your body, you wouldn't um block people who called you a fat pig. Like it it's not even it doesn't even make, doesn't sense. make sense. It's not even logic. Like it doesn't if you really loved your body, <laughs> you would be open to read abuse about it? Like it just doesn't no. They're just so furious to not be heard. Like they're so, fu- like they're so scared of you know being erased. And it's just like, you don't worry. You'll, you'll probably still be fine. I know. Like you won't be thing. part of the oppressed. You will never be part of the oppressed group. At most, you'll be equal to others. Yeah. At most, it's scary and kind of fun. Or do, do you know what else is funny? Is like you write something about. I wrote
1: something about rape culture in like within the UK about like the short skirt thing, and this man went. You think you're a feminist, but you're not even talking about these problems with people in different countries. And I was like, "This is all a problem." Like, who are you-, are you? Suddenly, the head of feminism now? I didn't know. Are you giving like
0: marks out? And also, but what have you said? Have you exa- have you thought about these women in exactly, other countries? Exactly. Is, why is that my why is that my thing? It's, it's to so talk funny. About
1: they're now? suddenly like, "No, don't you try act like you've got it bad.
0: You've got it really. good. We're really good over here." My my main what I love what I love about sexism is that <laughs> because. They hate women. They will always underrest- <clears throat> underestimate mm. women's intelligence, That's and so that true. is how we'll win. Yeah, that is because, so true. Because they, they, <laughs> they really think that... Like Rachel Fairburn, an amazing comedian, posted something recently about um, the comments she gets on Twitter from men because they will always explain her joke back to her. <laughs> Or like point out what a joke. <clears throat> like I remember, I, I like I did. I remember what was that I tweeted about? It was after Brexit. Was it after Trump? No, it was after Brexit. I think where I tweeted something like, um, "Can someone go back in time and make sure that Nigel Farage gets into art school?" And this man commented and said, "Actually, uh, Hitler. Hitler was uh, was turned away from art school." <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's the joke, isn't it? That's why I tweeted that. What? Like, it's the assumption that you don't that know. yeah and you know I, I bet you get oh, I bet all women or people who are perceived to be women get the same thing of like I've been mansplained comedy so many times by people who've never been near a comedy club and they just assume like I was in a, a cab the other day where he started talking about I said I was talking about body activism and he said oh yeah 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 it's not a problem anymore I was like what <laughs> it, it is still a problem it's still the expectation of People should be thin, and like he's like, no, no, it's just not a thing anymore. <laughs> and this like assumption that whatever you say just has no weight, it just yeah. has no like. It, it's it's incredible the when you can actively feel yourself being almost dim- like raised, yeah, diminished of yeah. When, uh, it, it baffles me that it's like wow, it doesn't matter what I say; that will be. Like I had a lot with Denmark at the moment was trying to explain to them like that sexism is a thing and feminism isn't a bad thing like they will look for their their kind of base their baseline will be she's definitely wrong. we just have to find out you know where the misunderstanding happened. <laughs> It's not even a. It's not even an option to consider. You were
1: saying that in Denmark, this is the attitude. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the whole, really.
0: Yeah, feminism is a bad word in Denmark. I didn't know. Th- I thought that that's Denmark Sweden. was quite progressive. Yeah, oh, that's Sweden, okay. Yeah, we <laughs> <I'm laughs> really very much entropy. riding that wave in the uh, in the international waters. <laughs> I <see, laughs> think okay. very lucky. It's so backwards. It is. The most tiring place. Really, it is so tiring being a feminist in Denmark. Like the, the second I became a feminist in Denmark, I lost half my friends and yeah. was like ostracized from the Danish stand-up circuit. It's like that's when I when I came out as a feminist, I got a phone call from a Danish comedian saying, "Is it? Do you need to be fucked? Like is that it? Like do you need me to? Do you want me to help? Like I can have sex with you if that's if that's what's I, don't, I just don't understand why you would say these things Cause like if it's because you need to get laid, like I can I can figure something out." I was like, <laughs> But are they? Is it
1: that whole thing of um, that what what we've managed to get over here now, where people actually are feminist but they just don't like the word, or no. they also aren't feminist, feminist and they hit the word.
0: I <gasps> mean, I think there's a lot of you know, like I said about them not holding the door, calling mm. you love, like that, and you know, the the movies being quite, you know, there's a lot of very strong female characters who aren't necessarily femme, you know. Yeah, so there, and and there's a lot in the like, legislation. Is that a word? Yeah, uh, that is quite. Progressive. In I do many think ways. culturally you're more gender
1: neutral. Actually, now I have thought about it. Even like the clothes and and, the model, and like the way people dress, it isn't as um, like effeminate and masculine. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's there's not a, a hyper.
0: lot of yeah. There's a lot of um, you know, less makeup is more classy and like baggy clothes yeah. is a thing. And in that way, there is in that way, I can see why I can see why a lot of Danish people think that it's progressive, but. Yeah. It's
1: absolutely not. <laughs> I think that's why I do actually. Funny enough, those really small signals n- n- probably make me perceive Denmark being actually someone that's very yeah. On the, it's just a different.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a really strange one, and I wish I kind of wish I had more. I, I wish I was a sociologist or something who could like actually look into what mm. has actually happened and why it's so. I think there's also this part of us being told all the time that we're this progressive country and we're the happiest country in the world, we're the best country in the world, the most equ- equal country in the world. And yeah. I think that might, like, people just don't acknowledge, like, whenever I do any interview with any journalist, it's always, but why? Why feminism? Why are you a feminist? Like, what is it? Like, why, why do you claim that men run the world? It's like it's not even acknowledged as a thing.
1: Oh. So they don't believe there's a patriarchy.
0: No, no, not at all. No. And then if I'm like, all over the world we've acknowledged this. You're the only country left. That's not true. But like, what? And they're like, oh, that must be because we're fixed and the rest (laughs) of the world have have this feminism thing you talk about. So the the Danish, this says everything. There's a Danish feminist comedian professional comedian. She's amazing. She's uh, been a professional comedian for 15 years. She does makes a living off of comedy. And uh, she also, you know, engages in a lot of debates about feminism. So she's widely hated by a lot of, you know, the media and people in Denmark in general, because no one's a feminist. And uh, she also does talks about bullying. She's like a, not an expert. She wrote a book about bullying. She does talks to like, young people about bullying. She's very great. She recently announced that she was never going to uh, do comedy in Denmark again because... She was tired, tired of the bullying, tired of being ostracized, tired of being bullied by the media and other Danish comedians because she was just like, I'm tired of sexism. I'm so fucking tired of it. I can't do this anymore. She went on the biggest Danish like news talk show to talk about this. And she was sitting there, she was explaining this, like tears in her eyes, saying like, I've been through this for 15 years now and I'm tired and I don't want to do it anymore. And the reporter, the journalist, the presenter said, but couldn't they just have been joking? And then maybe you didn't just didn't get the joke. A professional comedian for fifteen years who just talked about and wrote a book about bullying. The question she was asked by and like a respected reporter was, "Maybe you just didn't understand the joke." I was like, <laughs> "What was the response to that though?" Did did it? Was everyone kind of like, oh, "No what? one cared. No one noticed it. No one talked about." it. That's just how it is. So that's just how much yeah. that
1: everyone thinks like that. Then I
0: did one. the um, a, a Danish talk show a few weeks later. And they were like, well, obviously we can't have you on unless you comment on, you know, her and feminism and like the like the question was like, so this is a question I'll get this says a lot about it. But well. this is the question that will get asked a lot: is, uh, have you ever experienced anything sexist? That says everything about how they view sexism, like as if it's like always a um... like. Have
1: you ever? As if it's not institutional, as if it's not yeah. systemic, as if it's as like... if we
0: haven't all experienced it all, all the, the time.
1: time. Everything is sexist. Yeah, so yeah. that's
0: a question. But have you ever experienced anything
1: like? I guess ah. it's like the question of like, have you ever experienced racism to a person of colour? And they'd be like, well, by the proxy, the fact that we're white, we profit off of a racist yeah.
0: society. It's in everything. It's yeah. In, yeah. in everything. And it's in it's an this question. It's yeah. in, it's, and I never know Because like, I can't answer it because yes we'll almost acknowledge that the question is an okay question to ask i'm like so i was on this uh this danish talk show and um that's like an evening interviewee show that like watched by a lot of people and uh so they pre prepped me for all the questions and they were like the first question is uh what's it like being a female comedian (laughs) second question was what do you think of this case with this this danish comedian who's left because of the bullying and the last question was gonna be, um, have you ever experienced anything sexist? And then I would get to talk about my show, which was the reason I was there. I had to go through all of this clickbaity stuff first. So my first question when they said, What's it like being a female comedian? They said, is it, is it in the UK, they said. I said, Well it's really great because over there you would never get asked questions such as, Have you ever experienced anything sexist? Because you acknowledge it's a systemic oh, institutionalized <laughs> problem. And this interview was just like blinking like um uh Oh, that's really good. Cool. Uh, and I was like, oh, one is live as well. I was like, hmm So his last question was just like dumb. I was like, <laughs> that's really good. You have to otherwise like how are you gonna? Yeah. It's so backwards. It's so tiring. It's so, like one of the questions I got from a journalist was, um, but she <laughs> said, um So something about, you know, like white people shouldn't use the N word and uh men shouldn't mansplain like the most basic things. And she went like, you, you talk about these things as if you're right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I am. She was like, but other people might feel another way. And I was like, it's not up for debate. This is not a, this is not my opinion. I'm not, like. but in Denmark, I'm like this freak who comes from the outside with That's these so wacky, wacky ideas of, like, what I think is a thing. Where here, it's just like, yeah, we've, we know it's a
1: thing. Well, then also we say this, but then, like, it's such a small portion of society that we occupy that does think this as well. But then it's like...
0: Yeah, but still, it's like because the media. Mm. You know, I mean, of course, we have like horrific stuff, like Daily Mail and stuff. But even it's getting there. You're right. It's like changing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because like the, the the journalists I'm talking about is like the main, like the Danish version of BBC and like the Danish oh. version of ITV and the Guardian and, you know, I wouldn't. No one in the Guardian here would ever ask. No. So why why do you claim a sex? Sorry. Why do you <laughs> claim that sexism is a thing? Like I would never. It's just.
1: Uh, that's so enlightening I never would have known I actually say quite often I'm like God, the, the Danes have really got it
0: got it uh, sorted over there we have sorted many things <laughs> food
1: it's just much better and I feel like drugs you're really good with the whole the way you deal with drugs and you've got a really good system over there maybe I don't actually know I I think I watched something I'm sure you've got a really good thing. Oh, maybe. Are they, like, decriminalized in some parts? I don't
0: know. No, I think... Well, there is, like, a Christiania, which is, like, its own little free space where you you can buy it. And I think... I'm not, I know nothing about drugs. I'm so uncool. <laughs> but, uh, I don't, I, don't I, know. I genuinely don't actually know. I know that, like... I know our... I know that even within feminism, the small group of feminists there are who, who are all incredible because... I couldn't do it. Literally, could not do it. It is so difficult to be a feminist, and then I'm like, oh my god. But so the ones who are, are great, <clears throat> but even within like some of the most prominent ones, transphobia is still big. Like mm. anti-sex work is still big. You know, so it's, it's so... not got that like intersectional. And... Not yet. Mm. I mean, fortunately, we now have prominent uh, women of color speaking up. But even that has that's recent. Like I don't mm. remember anyone five years ago when I lived there seeing anyone now it's beginning to happen but it has taken the powers of like we have Emma Holton, who we're very proud of who um, I'm trying to think of the right word it's what we used to call uh, revenge porn Oh. Uh, what was it like um, non-consensual oh she did did she do your podcast she did my podcast oh my god I remember I just remember I shared it I remember listening to it and think it was fucking amazing incredible yeah so she like reclaimed her body got yeah. naked photos taken of herself to put them out there she was am- and she I think she then got a job at the UN or something like that was is, an amazing
1: episode because that that's something that's happened to li- my friends when yeah her, like put it up on porn sites and it's
0: terrifyingly normal it's terrifyingly yeah. like it's so scary but she was like it's like the, when the world discovered her, Every, like BuzzFeed and Huffington Post were like, oh, my God, she's incredible, the Guardian. We're like, oh, my God. Denmark, it was like, why is she whining? Like, she <laughs> should have just not taken the photos. And she like she moved out. You know, I moved out. This uh, Danish feminist community in San Francisco has stopped. Um, this, uh, we have another Danish <clears throat> activist who's, I know, considering moving here as well. There are Danish uh, women messaging me saying... Where can I gig in London? Because I will never start doing comedy in Denmark because it's such a toxic. There's a girl recently who messes me and said, when I was 17, I started doing stand-up in Denmark, and uh, two Danish comedians sat on each side of me and grabbed my thighs, so oh. I stopped. And you're like, and then you, so you say to Danish comics, "This is happening," and they're like, "Who? Who said that? I'm like, that's not the point." They're like, "Well, who? But who? Who claimed this? Because I've never heard of it." I'm like, no, that's because they're afraid to tell you because you have this reaction and they go, Well, if they're afraid to tell us, then that can't be a thing. Like it's,
1: oh, that's it's so so how it starts with everything there as well. I mean it's like that's with me too, it's the same thing, isn't it? People don't come forward because of the power. Yeah. But hopefully it will shift and <sighs> I hope
0: so, but Denmark feels like such an f- uphill okay. struggle. I wanted to talk about something
1: happier because this is yeah. We're both sat here like our faces. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about Happy Fat, which is your book. Yay. Give me the premise.
0: Uh, Happy Fat is basically everything I know and have learned about fatness, which I think is uh, justifiable. (laughs) This is a lot. I know a lot. I've gone from being someone who absolutely like, devastatingly hated my body and everything to do with my body and fatness in general to being fatter than I've ever been but happier than I've ever been. I love my body. I, I'm a fat person, and I think I'm sexy. I think I'm hot. I think I'm worthy. Something that I never, ever imagined I could reach without being thin. So it's about it's about me and the ugh, journey. <laughs> I don't like the word journey, but it's about like how I got there, and it has... A bunch of history. It has a bunch of, I say a bunch. It has some history <laughs> from the like the fat acceptance movement, and it has uh, a chapter called "How to Love Your Body," where I give like all the I give all the practical. I think within body, the chat about fatness and bodies, there's a lot of love yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of love your body. You are beautiful, and I've sat with body activists and said, "But how?
1: Mm.
0: How do you do it?" And they go, "Well, just." Love yourself. I'm like, no, no. We we get that a lot. And then now we just all feel bad about not being able to love ourselves. I think sometimes
1: it's just like looking at your body and being like, oh, fine. And just kind of not just being body neutral sometimes. Body
0: neutral is, is the ideal. It's just not caring about how you look yeah. at all. But it's very difficult to get neutral about something that you hate. You start to hate. Yeah. Like how do you get neutral about anything? But it's basically like there's no I, – I missed practical stuff. Because one thing is seeing memes and quotes and statuses that said, mm. "You are worthy and beautiful." You're like, "Hmm," but I'm still hated. Yeah, you know. So I have like practical advice. These are the practical things you can do actively to try and learn how to love your body, and it's it's just like a. It's, it's, it's I try to give a, a a view of what it's like for people who either for people who are fat who. I've never heard anyone else talk about it, Mm. or for people who aren't fat, who don't know what it's like. I think actually that's one of the more poignant or important bits is like,
1: if you've never operated the world as a fat person, like I said, when I first listened to that, this is American life, whatever the podcast, that really shook me and changed and made it so much easier for me to understand and I think actually that's, if all the non-fat people read about what it's like to live life as a fat person, the fat people probably wouldn't need your book.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because yeah.
1: they wouldn't be operating in a world that was so derogatory towards them.
0: Yeah, so much so. of the subconscious, so much of it is so subtle and we don't know we're yeah. <clears throat> we're doing it. We don't, we don't even, I did a body positive podcast with someone who wasn't really that fat <clears throat> who hosted it. And she said, at one point she said something like, we're talking about body positivity and like loving your body and fat being okay. And at one point, she said, "Oh, someone the other day called me huge." And I was like, "Yeah?" What? And she was like, "Oh, can you believe it? That really hurt." And I was like, "But have we not just, have we not just established that? That's okay. Like, yeah. you're still in that mindset, even though you've like acclaimed uh, body positive. I am okay with being fat. I'm okay with." You've still made the association between huge and bad yeah. in your head, when actually huge is, you know, it's not like. It's just. It's just big This yeah. is like
1: when now nah, it's taking me so long to get her, but like just saying to you, you're fat, and I have no attachment to it. Yeah. Whereas before, I used to be like, oh. but you're fat. Can I say like yeah. I don't mean it in a bad bigger, way? It's bigger, like, no. larger, and plump. Yeah, voluptuous. yeah. Yeah. What's funny is other people. Will hear me say to someone like "you're fat" or that, and they're like, "You can't say that." I'm like, no, no. "You can," because they're fat. It's not like, oh yeah, we need to destigmatize the word of fatness. Yeah. Like that's that's one of the first steps, probably, isn't it? Well,
0: like, one of my one of the things I, the invisibility of being fat, the ironic, vis- visibility, invisibility of it is, <clears throat> one thing is being told you're a fat pig, kill yourself, which is we get that a lot, but I think it's even worse when. You know, oh, you're not fat. You're not oh, fat. Oh, yeah. you know, you're a teenager and they say, oh, you can just borrow my shirt. And you're like, but I, c- I can't wear your shirt. I can't fit into it. And they're like, no, you can. You can. You totally can. No, you're not fat. You're not fat. You can, you. And like this anxiety with people like, you know, like I've gone into a restaurant. And they're like, oh, sit in this booth. And I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm too fat. And they're like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. you know, like you ask for an extension in the in an airplane. And they're like, okay, 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 madam. And they come back and they're like hiding it like under the seat, like psst, like, they're giving you drugs in an alley, like, yes, 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 Like, this, like, oh, my God, we cannot talk about it. Yeah. It, I had the realization when I was in a comedy club, and another comedian doing another fat joke. And I suddenly realized why it was so bothering. And it wasn't the fact that it was a fat joke. It was the fact that the way he did it, he said, they, oh, fat people, they're like this. And I was like, if he had said, fat people, you are like this, I would have maybe even found it funny. Because it's the fact that, Oh, I'm not even here. Right. I'm in this room, and no one's acknowledging that I'm here. Yeah. Because people are still laughing, but it's they, those fat people. I'm right here, mate. They like, so yeah. say it to my face. But they never do. It's that, like, so I saw someone post about it. I can't find the quote. I'm desperate to find the quote. But someone said something like, when you're fat, you're always invisible when you don't want to be, and too visible when you want to be invisible. Mm. Like, you can never just be allowed to just... But like I think, I think with everyone who's marginalized
1: in society, we do the same thing. Like we do it with people who are disabled. Mm. Just look. If I don't look at it, because you've been told that to be anything but this very small paradigm of beauty or normality or, in better commerce, health
0: is like, oh, best not,
1: just fine, just ignore it kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I s- I left uh, hairdressers because I couldn't sit in the seat <clears throat> and sit on the chair. And when I was, like, complaining about it, uh, the hairdresser woman, the owner of the hairdresser said... Uh, oh, it's because I've taught my, I've taught my hairdressers not to see, not to see things like that. So she, they probably didn't even see you as fat. I'm like, you can't do that because you can't be like, come on, walk up these stairs, person in the wheelchair. Mm. I'm sorry, I don't see wheelchairs. Or it's you, like you color blindness. Like, like I can't oh, I don't see, race. see color. Fuck off. Yeah. Like, you have to see this. Like yeah. it's a thing. You can't. That doesn't make you a good person to no. ignore it. Like you have to acknowledge how the world affects me, looking the way I do. Is my friend saying, "Oh, smile more." No, no. We have to acknowledge that these people here. They will talk to you, but they won't talk to me because they don't like fat. People. Yeah. We have to acknowledge that. Yeah. And it's, it's that. It's like um like when I someone suggested that I wrote, the, I wanted to write like a general book. It's like I just want to write about things. And they said, maybe make it just about fat. And I was like, I, I can't write a whole <laughs> book about fat stuff. Like, what would I say? Like, oh. And then I just started writing and it was... A, so difficult to cut it down because there's so much and I'm still like, I want to pitch a second book because you're I have good. so much more. It's like, there's such a, there's so much to say about it and I'm, so, I'm really excited. I'm really proud of it. I'm really happy that I did it and I have so much more. Did you enjoy writing? Yeah, I did. Very, really very, very, very much. Very much. It was an interesting, you know, when you start writing and you're like, you're like, oh, this is great. I don't understand why people are like, Why? Why would I need a second draft? This is perfect. (laughs) And then the process of realizing, oh, oh no, (laughs) this is awful. Did you plan it or
1: did you just write and then saw what came out? I think I
0: planned like had like chapters, like six chapter, like topics, Mm. which then sort of changed along the way. But yeah, I had like my so it was like I wanted like something about my childhood, the other othering. Popular culture, like media and representation, health, and how to love your body. Was that it? Oh yeah, and then like a how to be a friend to fat people, like an ally. Ally. Oh, that's thing. good.
1: When you write, do you automatically write in English now? Because Danish English, well, like you said, you. I wrote yourself. in English, yes.
0: Uh, but yeah, I usually think in English and write in do English. You? But so I, I, I have to switch. So when I go to mm. Denmark, there'll be like a day where I'm. Really rusty in Danish, and it's really embarrassing. But then, once I start thinking in Danish again, I'll have that day in England when I'm like, "Ugh, let's change it back again to English." It's a bit. It's getting really more and more difficult
1: as time goes. So, have you had it published in English and
0: Danish, and or is it going? Or it's coming out in English, and then I think they're, I think they're trying to sell the rights to other countries. Amazing. It's It's weird. Like it should be. It should have probably been like a collaboration with Denmark because I know a lot of people in Denmark want it but I don't don't know how it works. Sorry I probably asked you a question way too far ahead. No I don't know it's just like this publishing world is so big and I'm still not really sure I understand how everything works I don't really know it seems like a very complicated world. But well done for writing a book so that's absolutely
1: unbelievable. Thank you. I'm really excited to read it. I've been such a big fan for so long and like you talk me loads so I'm sure that loads of people will learn as well oh thank you I hope so and thank you so much for doing this I literally could have chatted to you all day <laughs> Have you enjoyed it? I really have. Okay, I really
0: have. It's so much I feel like I had
1: so many th- more things to talk about. but I was I so scared go. you were going to
0: ask me how to be an adult. And I was like, oh, God, I can't answer Oh, my that. God, no. No one knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a bit like a yours when you're like, and, and just no one knows what they're doing. Do you also start this because you genuinely wanted to know? Yeah. So yeah. I was like,
1: oh, I don't really know. Everyone basically, my parents kept being like, what are you going to do now that you've left uni and that you're doing this? And do you know, And everyone around me, every family thing I went to, like at Christmas and stuff, They'd be like, so what's, what is it that you're going to be doing? And I would just be like, I don't fucking know. And then I'd ask my friends, like, who were in really secure jobs. Is this exactly what... And no one no one knew. And then it's kind of just come on to a conversation more actually about privilege. And instead of, like, what are we going to do, it's who are we? How have we got here? And what's the world doing? And that will help you figure it out. Rather yeah. than no one asks you, like,
0: how are, are you? Or who are, who are you? you? Yeah. yeah.
1: Everyone just asks you, what are you going to be? And it's like, I don't even know who I am yet. So I don't know. Yeah. And you can't just say...
0: I'm happy, I think. No, I know exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh, well you want to
1: be? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I just, <laughs> How do you make money? I just literally make sure that my dad still says
0: to me, "Have, have you got a job?" I'm
1: like, yeah. Oh, God. But
0: I, it, I remember telling my grandmother that I moved to the UK, and she said, "For whom?" <laughs> I was like, "What is move to work?" She's like, "But who lives there?" I was like, what? Well, "A lot of people. No one in particular. What do you mean?" She's like, "But who are you moving for?" Like, she well, she is, thought thought it is it a boyfriend or is it yeah? Oh. And I was like, "No, me work." Like you don't want to tell me his name I was like, oh. <laughs> imagine imagine having that imagine having lived that life when yeah. you exist through
1: oh my god man. thank god that we escaped that god. also talking about Chidera literally I was saying I saw her last night at an event and I was like I fucking love my boyfriend but I'll be sat next to him in love with him reading her stories and being like maybe I, maybe I should break up with him yeah. what, what, <laughs> what do you give to me <laughs> what, do you, what do you offer and then me and I look at him oh you're, you are really really nice but <laughs> but
0: what else Yeah, what else do you get <laughs>
1: Oh, amazing! Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, guys. If people want to find you online or in real life,
0: where where do they? I live prefer from? online, <laughs> 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 and, and I live on uh, uh, well uh, sophiehagen.com dot com, where you can get this uh, Sophie everywhere everywhere: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, my newsletter is my main kind of sign up. For my newsletter because it's both really gossipy and. I say a lot of secrets that my manager doesn't want me to say, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone reads it. And um, so that's also where I announce, like, I'm going on tour this May, April, June on a book and stand-up tour of the UK. Okay. I'm going to be in Edinburgh for the Edinburgh Fringe with a new show, which I will then take on tour. And I have uh, Secret Dinosaur Cult as my, uh, one of my podcasts, and Made of Human as my other podcast. And all of that, like, I have so many stuff, so much stuff to do. So that all comes out via the newsletter.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I'm pleased go find her. And I will see you soon. Bye.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel
1: style with Quinn's.